Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the Round and Tile podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And this episode is Clubbing with Mario, as we'll be talking about Mario Golf World Tour and sharing our full impressions of that new 3DS tile later in the show. Um, this also is kind of like a yin and yang sort of deal. Like, we have, like, the very, you know, golf is a very calm, relaxing game, and then you have the... Oh, well, maybe not Mario Golf. and thrilling. Fine. The, the concept of golf is very calm. It as a thing. I don't know. I did watch golf on TV the other day, and it was pretty intense and thrilling. Well, the concept of golf on paper <laughs> is calm and relaxing. And and then, on the flip side of that, we had Nintendo's uh, yearly financials, which led to a whole hoopla of crazy news about, like, Nintendo's Doom, Nintendo's this, Nintendo's that. So this episode, we're tackling both. So we'll do Mario Golf impressions later in the show, but before that, since the driving force of a large part, portion of news... Uh, driving... Oh, Mario Golf. Or cart. Maybe it's a preemptive cart pun for a cart episode in two weeks. Or whenever we do it. Maybe four weeks. I anyway. people would just have to wait for it. Oh, that was a golf pun. There's no way that could be a cart pun. Anyway, what I was saying is uh, a, lar- a large portion of the news since our last episode was due to and because of Nintendo's financial uh, finances for the year. So normally what we do is we start with news and then we talk about games and then we get to the business side and then we do game impressions. This time we're going to kind of flip the script since the financial news and the industry level, like Nintendo as a company, kind of dictated every other news thing that happened these past two weeks. So as such, we'll be beginning with the financials. Um, as always, we have uh, timestamps at ramtown.com for episode 70. Just click the blog post. They're all there. So if you don't care about financials, you can jump ahead to where we talk about games. If you do care about financials, you cannot jump ahead. It's that simple. So, uh, yeah, so I guess we'll start with their fiscal fiscal numbers. Um, Would you say they were a bogey? Yes, I would. And you know who else would? The announcer in Mario Golf when you score a bogey. That's something to think about. He would. Food for thought. Anyway, so the um, so Nintendo's fiscal year, which goes from April 1st of one year to March 31st of the next year, came to an end, obviously, on March 31st. And Nintendo just a few weeks ago, or since our last episode, released their numbers. And for a third year in a row... Nintendo reported an overall loss, this time to the tune of 46.6 billion yen, which is about $457 million. Half a billion bucks. Gone. Not so great. Keep in mind, this is the Nintendo... Yeah, it's three years in a row. It is tradition. This is the same Nintendo that a year ago said, this coming year, you guys, we're going to make 100 billion yen. And then they lost 46.6 billion yen. So they lost half what they thought they would make. Like, they went 100 billion yen the other direction, like, back to zero, and then another half of that. So not so great for Nintendo. But uh, one of the main driving forces of this, of course, uh, was the continuing trouble of the Wii U, which we've talked about on the show before. And as you may recall, a year ago, when they had their 100 billion yen goal, Nintendo said they are going to sell 9 million Wii U consoles worldwide over the fiscal year. Then in January, as we also discussed, they dropped that number to 2.8 million. Which at the time, it's like, whoa, two-thirds are gone? What? They weren't going to sell a third of what they thought? That's bad. Well, they did even worse, although barely. It turns out that uh, over the last year, they only sold 2.72 million. They were 80,000 short of their already much lower expectations, which is like, come on, you can't even reach your obviously scaled-down sales. I mean, granted, 80,000 isn't a ton, but still, it's a little sad. So that brings the Wii U's total lifetime sales since it launched to 6.17 million units worldwide which is interesting because you know what the ps4 has sold in six months time more one million more oh yeah it took nintendo what 18 months 
something like that to do 6.17. It took PS4 six months to do over seven. So, yeah. And Xbox One somewhere in the middle. Mm. Uh, now, those weaker hardware sales, of course, meant weaker software sales as well. And this is where things start to get kind of a little more interesting. Um, Nintendo was originally planning to move 38 million copies of games, any game for the system, 38 million in total. And then they lowered that down to um, 19 million once they dropped the hardware sales. Now, the thing is, they couldn't even hit their software goal either. They came in at 18.82 million. Mm-hmm. Granted, that's a rounding error of difference. Like, it's not, you know, it's not yeah. huge. But mm-hmm. still, they can't even hit that goal. So, the particularly sad part is that Wii U game sales were outpaced by the sales of legacy original Wii games. The Wii, which isn't even, I, mean, I guess it's still on store shelves, but it's like not really, Nintendo's not pushing it really. Um, it saw sales of 26 million games in the last year. Again, the Wii U sold 18.82. So it's getting outpaced by its predecessor. In fact, Mario Kart Wii, a title from way back in spring 2008, managed to outsell Wind Waker HD in the past year. Well, it is Mario Kart. Yeah. And Zelda platformers just never seem to sell, like, ridiculously well, don't they? I remember something. In Japan, they don't. And it's also kind of hard to compete with your predecessor if that's the Wii. Like, yeah, that's I don't true. think PlayStation but, or any other previous predecessors are something of that scale. That's true. That's true. But it is just I mean, of, but yeah, that's not saying much when the Wii U sales really are that low anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, of course, the title is going to sell much better when it has a bigger audience. But it's just still like, Nintendo put out Wind Waker HD, it sells 1.2 million, 1.22 million. Then there's Mario Kart from five years, six years that's ago. That's 1.2 yeah, People but then that have that yeah, and, yeah, but Mario Kart, Mario Kart, million. Mario, Mario Kart though managed to sell 1.27, which is like 0.05 million more. Uh, in the same time, oh, that's 1.5 million more people in addition to however many million yeah. already have it. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like how are they still selling? But it does bode well for Mario well, Kart. There are more Wii's out there than there are Wii U's. Yeah, but how do so many people not have Mario Kart yet? But uh, the point being. That's it, a good point. It, it shows It's how, a second copy. Um, yeah, I guess. But they it, love it the does, first one because it's like stuck in their grandmother's attic or something. Yeah, that's exactly every single scenario where someone buys a second Mario Kart because the first one's in their grandma's attic. Specifically. Yeah. Or if they go to college and lock it there. Yeah. Let a grandma no, I like the grandma's attic. That's every case right. officially now. But no, uh, I'm just going to say that it does show Mario Kart really is an evergreen title. Like, it's a title that always keeps selling. So that bodes well for eight. In a way. I mean, it has a smaller install base, but presumably as people buy 8, they will buy Mario Kart. And that's... Uh, the comment I saw in the review say, um, this game almost makes me buy a Wii U. Almost. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, man. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Nintendo. They need a game to sell the Wii U. But it is worth knowing some games do sell well. Mario Kart hopefully will become one of them, but uh, New Super Mario Bros. U, it's managed to sell 4.16 million copies since it came out alongside the Wii. That's an attach rate of over two-thirds. Over two-thirds of Wii U owners have a copy of Mario U, which is kind of insane. That was the same attach rate it had at launch, like, the when it first came out. It's also an identical attach rate, which means that, like, it's keeping pace. Now, now that I think about it out loud, though, part of that might be because it's bundled with the hardware now. Yeah. Actually, that'd probably be it. It's like the NES days all over again. Pretty much. But, I mean, that's not... Other games did well, too. Nintendo Land has sold over 3 million copies, although, again, it was bundled at one point. Uh, Super Mario 3D World's at 2.17 million. So... It did about half of what Mario U did in, like, half the time. So it's on pace to be the same, like, in the long run, I guess. Uh, and even New Super, Mar- Super Luigi U, the DLC-turned-standalone game, that managed to sell almost 2 million, 1.76 million. Which, that one's pretty impressive, actually. That is. 
Like for a DLC package, essentially. Yeah. Even We Party. Even We Party you sold pretty decently. It sold over a million copies, 1.35 million. And they just put it on the eShop. I'm sure you hate that. I just last week. Just this past week. I I mean, it's like... Well, um, you want it. Did well, you? It's, it's, it's annoying. But yeah. I know, yeah. Yeah. But you know, now here's the sad part of those sales. Uh, so everything I just listed off are the only million sellers that Newtown's reported. They don't report under a million. That means Wonderful One One under a million. Although we knew that. That means Pikmin 3, unfortunately, under a million. So those two games didn't sell as great as I'm sure Nintendo wished they would. Hmm. So that's just something to be like... So they point out, unfortunately. Hopefully Bayonetta 2 does better for Platinum games just so they stick with Nintendo because they make good games. Hmm. And Marvel One One's bombing. Well, who knows how, like, niche it will be. Bayonetta? Yeah. Oh, it's going to be niche. Yeah, that's not, like, <laughs> it's probably not going to do very well. Yeah, but hopefully better than One One. Just like my gut. Like, it's probably going to... Like, obviously, I feel like it's going to be a really great game, but, I mean, so with Wonderful One One and... Look at that. Look yeah. how that did, Yeah. And Nintendo put marketing behind it, too. That's yeah. what makes it a little worse. I guess it's that mindset. Like, people are looking for a certain type of game on the Wii U and just don't really care about anything else. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, it is it is kind of worth knowing, though, that, like, we're saying all these numbers, but there's not a whole lot of context behind them. We know the Wii U is doing bad, but, like, we don't really know how bad, I guess, like, in comparison to other systems. But Game Informer, to the rescue, they, uh, they put together some comparisons against the stellar sales of the Wii and the less-than-stellar sales of GameCube. And again, in both cases, uh, Wii U is still kind of sucking. So, like uh, Kirby. Yeah, like Kirby. So if you look at like comparable time spans for this far into the Wii's life and this far into the GameCube's life, once again, the Wii U sold 6.17 million units since it came out. GameCube in that same time span sold 9.56 million, so better. And Wii, of course, was astronomical. It was at almost 25 million at this point. Well. So, the, so the Wii U didn't even do it. Like, did just over a fifth of what the Wii did in the same time frame. And a little over half of what the GameCube did. Software-wise, though, the gap is kind of huge. GameCube sold 60 million pieces of software in the comparable time frame, and the Wii U only sold 32 million. Now, that is... I should re-say the hardware when I said it was about half what GameCube did. It's actually more like two-thirds of what GameCube did, six to nine. But the software is half, so that's actually worse. And you could say, maybe it's because the Wii U doesn't have third-party support. GameCube did, at one point, have third-party support. Never would I think that this many years after... If you went back to me in the GameCube days, I don't think you, I would have ever guessed that someone would one day be praising the GameCube's third-party support as being good. But here we are, because there's now worse. So, yeah, so the GameCube actually had pretty healthy software sales by comparison to Wii U. No. Or Wii U has pretty unhealthy compared to GameCube, either way. Yeah, it did have Monkey Ball. It did have Monkey Ball. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah, the early days were good for GameCube. It yeah. had good support. Yeah, it always started faltering later on. Yeah. Well, when Resident Evil 4 came out, was that already... That was the tail end. That was like 2005. Huh. January 2005. Look it up, listeners. Prove me wrong. You won't. Actually, you might. Now that I've challenged it, probably will. Uh, technically, in Japan. Well, technically. Uh, but, but yeah, so that's, that's the Wii U. Basically, it's not doing so great, and that's hurting Nintendo's financials. On the hand, handheld side of things, there's the 3DS, whose current status is better. It's not exactly a clear-cut answer but uh on one hand hardware sales are doing pretty well so in the past fiscal year they managed to sell um 12.28 million systems which means that since it came out they've sold 43 million 3ds's worldwide in the last i guess three years so that's pretty good but on the other hand even though it's a healthy number it's still lower than what nintendo was hoping to do and that's with pokemon x and y and everything they originally wanted to sell 18 million 3ds's they then said nope that's not happening and lowered it to 13 and a half million 
Then that didn't happen, and now here we are at 12.28. So even though the 3DS is their big, like, yeah, look how great the 3DS is doing, it's still not performing how they want it to. So software-wise, it was much better. On the software side, Pokemon X and Y sold 12.26 million, which is very close to the number of 3DSs sold, but that's just coincidence, because obviously a lot of current 3DS owners already have it, or bought the game too. But it's only 0.02 million apart between hardware and software for Pokemon. Um, and then Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon was kind of a runaway hit. It sold basically 4 million copies, 3.98. Interestingly enough, not only did it sell that well, but now Next Level Games is developing exclusively for Nintendo platforms. They used to do Nintendo and other stuff on the side. Now it's Nintendo only. Because of the success of Dark Moon, I'd assume. Uh, beyond that, though, uh, there was also Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds. That sold 2.5 million in only a couple months' time. And there's still all the long, you know, the evergreen games that just keep selling. Mario Kart 7 and Mario 3D Land are both at about 10 million sold since they came out. And there's close to 8 million for Animal Crossing New Leaf and New Super Mario Bros. 2. So Nintendo does have a bunch of multi-million sellers on 3DS, which is always a good thing. And it means that because of all this, while hardware was down, software was up for Nintendo. This is the one hurrah of Nintendo's whole financial outlook, financial fiscal report. They sold 2 million more games than they thought they would. 68 million opposed to 66 million. So, there's that. Yeah, <laughs> got lucky. They got lucky. No, no, I'm not going to say that. They, they well, they, well they wanted to do more originally. So they, they got... I don't know. They got lucky after they lowered their expectations drastically. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but like we did with the um, Wii U, it's good to put these numbers in comparison because on the surface, it's like, okay, 3DS is holding its own. But when you look at... DS and, GB, and Game Boy Advance, GBA, then it starts to, you kind of second guess, maybe it's not doing as well, which is actually the case. So if you look at the same time frame, you know, three years into 3DS Life, three years into Game Boy Advance, three years into DS, Game Informer pulled the numbers again, and uh, compare, DS, it's not even worth mentioning. DS, it's through the roof, obviously. That was a whole, it was a crazy machine. It was uh, the Wii of the portable. It was, <laughs> and it was at the same time as the Wii, which is Whoa. not a coincidence. Um... But the Game Boy Advance is closer to, like, coming back to Earth. So if you look at Game Boy Advance, uh, 3DS actually is about 8 million behind where Game Boy Advance was at this point. It's like, and it's about 19 million behind where the software was. So that's, yeah, it's not that good. It's not bad, just not good. Like, they can have a big game that blows it up, but as of right now, it's trending behind Game Boy Advance. Adjusting for inflation and all that, though? This is just raw uh, unit sales, not money. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's so it's behind. In terms of hardware, that's relatively easy to catch up if you have a couple hit games. But in terms of software, being behind almost twenty million, that's not too great. So it doesn't mean doom and gloom. I don't think for 3ds. But given that sales are lower, and uh, you know, Nintendo needs to step their game up. And it looks like so far they're not. The first part of 2014, like uh, since this, basically since uh, this last quarter here, they've sold 590,000 3ds's worldwide. So if they want to catch up to Game Boy Advance, they're going to need to do a little better well, I mean, than six hundred thousand in four months. Three I mean, months. Like the only game I remember coming out in the beginning of this year was Yoshi's New Island. Was that it? Yoshi's New Island, Disney's whatever castle, Disney Magic Castle or whatever Kingdom, whatever it's called. Uh, Bravely Default. Those were the big three. And I bought none of them. I bought Yoshi. So there you go, Nintendo. Maybe yeah, maybe that's why it's only five hundred nine thousand. Like I mean, I, I, I like people. to consider myself like someone who would buy like every good Nintendo game, and I didn't even buy any of these. They just, I don't know. yeah. Mm. I will say though that uh, didn't get Kirby. Not planning on getting Tomodachi. I'm getting Tomodachi. Yeah. I'm getting Tomodachi. Uh, um, but we getting a lot of money. 
I'm not. I'm blowing through money like there's no tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sure Nintendo will appreciate that. But I don't think I'm enough to keep Nintendo afloat, personally. I, I might be wrong. Maybe I am. But I think they're going to need a little more than me. And they're probably going to need to keep their focus. Especially since they're expecting to sell another 12 million 3DSs this year. So even though their lineup, well, as you just know... What? Smash Brothers will help. It'll help, but their lineup is noticeably smaller. This, Like you just said, you didn't buy any 3DS games yet this year. This time last, last year, you bought at least two, maybe three. Most likely. So, like, they I don't remember what came out this time last year. Uh, Fire Emblem, Luigi's Mansion, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, Lego City, and... There was a fourth one in May. Well, it's the only one. Oh, and Animal Crossing in, in okay, Star so June. two games out of five? Two games out of five, and this year you're buying zero out of zero. Zero out of so, three. Zero out of four. Bravely so. Default. I'm adding Tomodachi. Oh, because that's comparable to Animal Crossing. Yeah, but that's early June. Then, then you would have to count Mario Golf and Kirby. Oh, that's true. I forgot about those. Okay, so then you bought one. One out of five versus two out of five, so less. No, it's six this year now. Oh. Oh, so statistically you're doing worse. Yeah. Percentage-wise. But anyway, my point is, <laughs> the point was, Nintendo's going to need to do something to, like, I obviously E3's coming up and we'll get a sense of, their, of what games they have there for the rest of the year, but they want to sell equal what they did last year. They need something big. So they're gonna need, and you know, they're gonna have to do Does it. Something um, big even exist? I mean, I don't know. That's we're already, what, I mean, that's what we're gonna find out. At this point, like, I feel we've already had, for the most part, equivalent of most of the games that we had on the 3DS. I mean, we already had our Mario Kart. You mean on DS? On DS, yeah. So we have our Mario Kart. We have our Mario and Luigi. They got to do the. We have our Nintendo. We have our Animal Crossing. We have our Brain Age and that. We have our Brain Age. They're gonna need to do something new. I mean, we don't have a Rhythm Heaven. I know that will. Well, that's gonna boost sales so yeah, much. Yeah, because the DS one actually did. Not very well, right? No, neither did the Wii one. I mean, yeah. the Wii one. Uh, we're got, even though the DS one had Beyonce in its commercials. What? Yeah. What, what other game did the DS have that sold a ton? Everything that is... And everything that did sell a ton and then even doing everything well that sold a ton. So. Right. That's the problem. They need the new Blue Ocean-y new franchises. That's what they need. The things that really boosted the DS after the initial, you know, Mars and Mario Karts, Brain Age, Nintendogs, uh, that sort of stuff. They need more of that. They need more Dylan than Pushmo's. They do need... They tapered off with their eShop releases. Yeah, like they stopped trying. Yeah, they need to bring that back. Like, there's a lot Nintendo needs to do, honestly. <laughs> Push I mean, all resources to virtual console. Yeah, basically, is what... <laughs> at this point, honestly, if, if they I just were like, we're going to put out every ROM at once, they'd be like, well, that's better than nothing. <laughs> we have an idea for a new, like, I don't know, a new game. Oh, no, let's bring out <laughs> freaking Super Mario 3D World. Unless oh, no, Super Mario 3D... No, God. Super Mario 3... Virtual, yeah, virtual the Game Boy Advance one? NES. Wait, is that one out on the virtual? The Game Boy Advance one? No, yeah, they the just Game Boy re- they released the NES one on both Wii U and 3DS on the same day. They should release the All Star one. That's the best one. They should just release All Stars. Oh, I mean, they did the Mario Collector's Edition a while. Yeah, ago, they but, did. But yeah, but anyway, what I was gonna say about the uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, so Nintendo. So they're just paying twelve million 3DSs, and we're gonna have to wait and see how that goes, right? But the um. The Wii U, on the other hand, they're playing a little safer. 3DS is like, can they hit 12 million? That's going to be hard. It's trending downward. They've only sold 590,000, and they're already almost halfway through the year. Like, But for 3DS, they are way lowering expectations. They're expecting to only sell 3.6 million Wii U's in the next year worldwide, mainly through Mario Kart 8 and Smash Bros. sales. They're hoping those two games will get everyone on board. But the thing is, uh, Nintendo's still going to... Even though there's just like, oh, wait, Mario Kart, Smash Bros, go. Nintendo's still definitely going to need to work to get those sales. Because, like, already... Already they're faltering. Like, the April NPD numbers came out, and 
Yeah, they need to ramp things up. I'll put it this way. Uh, Nintendo itself didn't release any actual numbers for April, but uh, leak numbers put the Wii U U sales at around uh, 48,000 units here in the U.S., which is down from last year's supposed 55,000. Now, on top of that, 3DS hardware sales are at about 113,000 based on some number crunching some people did. Nintendo's own charts from their own financial report where they did, like, percentages of sales and other companies have released their numbers so you can just deduct the percentage and figure, you know. But the um, People um, are still buying Nintendo products. They are, but not by much because uh, here's the problem. Nintendo 3DS was flat year over year. Wii U was down year over year. The industry, the rest of the industry, was up 17%, riding off the success of... Uh, next-gen consoles and games like Titanfall and whatnot. So, to put it another way, the Wii U, the Wii, and the 3DS, when combined, their total hardware sales were less in the month of April than just the PS4 by itself. Well... Yeah, that's why I'm saying Nintendo, yeah, they have goals, and sure, 3.6 million is, you know, a uh, conservative number for Wii U, but they, they need to step it up. Like, they're gonna have to do stuff. They can't just kind of ride it out and hope for the best. So, um... I mean, it is worth mentioning there were no new Wii U or 3DS games in April, except Disney Magic Kingdom. That's not what it's called, is it? The Disney game on 3DS. Yeah. Disney Di- Magic Kingdom? No, Magic Castle. No. Di- Disney Crossing. Disney Crossing. Yeah, with the exception of Disney Crossing, which I don't think light- lit up the charts. It was not in the top ten. There's really, you know, nothing that came out in April. So maybe didn't that's bring why the magic they needed. It did not bring the magic they needed. So that's probably why uh, the sales were low, but you would hope they'd be... A little better. Hopefully uh, May goes better for them. But the, the point is, point is, if Nintendo wants to achieve those sales, they got to do something. And luckily, they have strategies. And that's what the second half of the financial news that came out was. They put out the numbers, and then Satori Iwata, Nintendo's global president, gets up on stage at a hotel in a conference room. Always the same hotel, by the way, so you uh, could stake it out. A Nintendo-owned love hotel? Yes. Yes, he comes straight out of whatever room he was in and goes to the conference. No, it's uh, like a Sheridan or something but in Tokyo. But he comes out and basically outlines their plans and then takes some questions and gives some answers. And then that's kind of where we get a sense of where Nintendo's going. A Q&A, if you will? A Q&A, indeed. So uh, that's exactly what happened. Nintendo has plans of how they're going to fix things. And Iwa basically ran through them all. And now I guess we'll you know pick them apart a bit. So the big one, the first one to ensure that they get profitable next year and their sales are up and everything is literally just keep the 3DS going as it is. Their plan is simply to just keep pumping out games. I want to believe the 3DS is actually at the point now where it has a big enough install base, 43 million, as we said before, to just kind of send games out into the masses and they'll get, you know, people just buy them and then they can entice new people. And, you know, it's just kind of like the snowball is already rolling. They could just let the snowball effect happen is what he's saying. So, um... Nintendo's going to do that with games like Smash Bros. They're going to do that with Pokemon, which we'll talk about a little later in the show. They're hoping to do that with third-party games like Monster Hunter 4, which is tracking quite well in Japan. Uh, and they also are going to have some unannounced games, which kind of addresses my concern about their lineup. They It was just revealed they have a mystery 3DS game coming to E3. This news actually broke like right before we were going to record this. Um, mystery 3DS game coming to E3. They're going to have a 90-minute... Well, well, I mean, isn't it safe to assume there would, there would be an unknown, unannounced Oh, yeah, but anyway? one that's going to have a 90-minute dedicated developer roundtable oh. is a big game. I don't know what it is, though. But they announced uh, to the Smash press... Smash Cousins. Smash Cousins. <laughs> they actually have a Smash Bros. roundtable with developers. You know, okay, so every year, uh, for those who don't know, every year Nintendo, they do their big press event, and then they have uh, roundtables with the developers. So what they, these are normally in the evening, Tuesday and Wednesday evening of E3, or Wednesday, depending. Sometimes they do too, sometimes they don't. And uh, they just, you know, it's just like a more 
focused, honed in. We're going to give you lots of specific details about games and like Miyamoto's there and whatever. In the past, they've used these roundtables to reveal the first Skyward Sword art a couple years back. That's where Pikmin 3 was first confirmed. That's where Wii Fit Trainer was unveiled for Smash Bros. Like, there is news that comes out of these. So whatever they have planned for this crazy 90-minute secret game is probably something big. Mm-hmm. And something they expect to be a system star. Because if they have one, they have one on Tuesday of E3 for Smash Bros. Like a developer roundtable, probably about 90 minutes. Then they have another one on Wednesday for just this 3DS game. So they're expecting big things if they're giving it that much attention. Question is, what is it? Mm-hmm. Well, well, if we knew, <laughs> if we knew, we have quite the I have no guesses. I, it must be some brand new franchise. You think so? Mm-hmm. A brand new franchise? The reason... Actually, no. They want to do a developer roundtable for a brand new franchise because no one would go. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I what to ask. I guess it's an established franchise. Uh, uh, is it fun? <laughs> so so tell me about this game. Do, is it... Are there buttons used or is it just touch screen? They're online co-op. <laughs> does, does, the game, does the game support... Does the game support a, a, a Nintendo Network in any way? Is there a DLC? Oh, it's too early? Oh, you... Okay. Yeah, no, but the, uh, so that's what they're doing for 3DS. Is what will the cover of the game look like? <laughs> What's the box? What's the game called? Oh, you haven't settled on a name. Oh, okay. So why mm. are we here? No, there's no screenshots either? Oh, well, so you're just telling us about a hypothetical game? Mm, and drawing stick figures on the whiteboard? Okay. 90 minutes, huh? 90 minutes of this? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so that's what they're hoping to do with the 3DS. Not that bad press conference we just ran through. The, uh, they're hoping to just keep it going with games. Wii U, on the other hand, is a bit trickier. Uh, and Nintendo plans to kind of just stick to the plans they already told us in January. So that means they're going to be showing off new games that leverage the gamepad in some sort of unique way at E3 next month. That also means they're relying on Mario Kart and Smash Bros. as the two pillars of their 2014 lineup, uh, which I want to actually said during the, uh, during the Q&A par- portion of this uh, investor meeting that he thinks they will be... Like, they're planning their $3.6 million in sales around those two games. They're, they admit they're being conservative with the number. If they have other games that turn out to actually kind of be hits on top of that, great. But they're saying, we'll sell $3.6 million off these two games primarily. Which is, on the one hand, I mean, that's probably true. But on the other hand, he's still clearly subscribing to that thought of one game can change everything. Or in this case, two games. Which is a bit problematic, because that's the same thought they had with Mario 3D World. That's the same thought they had with, like, everything. Pikmin. Uh, with Pikmin. That's the same thought they had with everything. You can't just keep regurgitating the same point, Iwata. You need this a, time I really mean it. Literally, he's like, this time I have a, an example. And he went on this whole thing about Game Boy wasn't doing well. Then Pokemon came out. And then Game Boy took off. The difference is, which he conveniently ne- neglected to say, the Game Boy was doing pretty well when it first came out. Tetris was a phenomenon. It was selling fine. Yes, it then tapered off. And then Pokemon boosted it back and gave it a giant second win that was maybe even bigger than the first win. But the thing is, the Wii U never had that first win. Like, the, the Game Boy was already halfway into the ocean or whatever. Where's the win when it, you need it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's the, that's the, like, I was logic's a little flawed, I feel like. Plus, how many times are investors going to be like, oh, this will be the one. You know that image going around the internet of, like, the chalkboard with all the, like, games and ideas of how to save the Wii scratched off one by one? Yeah. Yeah. I want to literally just said it out loud. At the investor meeting. He's like, yeah, see, see, look, it, it, this will be the one. This will save it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, according to, uh, beyond that, it's, uh, as I say, according to him, that is all it takes. But beyond that, there is some other stuff they're doing. None of this is really going to save, well, one of these things won't exactly save the Wii U, and that's a faster start time. 
He kind of talked about this in the past, but they showed video, and you can now quick boot directly from the Wii U gamepad. No need for a TV. You save about 20 seconds. It, it still so takes Wii about U 20 game, seconds. Right? I'm assuming yeah. this excludes, like, no, you have a game. the Wii interface. No, you, well, I mean, you'd have to open the Wii menu from the little mini start menu, but yeah. Hmm. And it will be out in summer, the firmware update. So that's soon. Third party-wise... So that's first party. That's how they hope to tackle it first party. They're also hoping to take a third party approach, third party wise. Uh, they're hoping to continue working with companies in what I want to call a, quote, win-win situation. He basically is saying that multi-platform games should come to Wii U, and when they do, hey, it's win-win because they make money off the game when it's on Wii U, so he thinks, and uh, Wii U gamers get games. Right? Win-win. He described how third parties work. Yeah. So, he cited uh, Sonic Boom. Then why hasn't that happened? I know. That's the the thing. He cited Sonic Boom. He cited Watch Dogs. He said there were unannounced games on the way. So, there is third party. They could still be canceled and or... Yeah. But one of them I don't think will be. And that's... uh, One of them hasn't even been announced, but it's pretty much, I feel like, safe to say. That's Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. It, uh... Here, well, it's not set set in for sure, but it's likely in the sense that uh, someone was digging around the website for the Kevin Spacey starring video game uh, that is Call of Duty, and which, by the way, as a House of Cards fan, I kind of need to buy this game just because he's playing like an evil version of his House of Cards character. Man, you're already a regular Call of Duty collector. I have one from two years ago, and now I might get one because of Kevin Spacey. It's more than I'm more of a Kevin Spacey aficionado than a Call of Duty collector, but. But anyway, point being, someone was poking around the site. Around the, they announced it for Xbox, they announced it for PlayStation, and someone was poking around the site and found that uh, I don't know if you know this about websites, but a lot current website design uh, method is to do something called a sprite, where it's one giant transparent PNG file, and then you can map different like it's just like one giant PNG file with a whole bunch of different images on it, and you can like map specific parts of those that file to different parts of the site. So, like, you could have one file with ten logos on it, and then say, I want this logo top left, this logo bottom right, etc., etc. So, what this guy did is he found that sprite sheet on the website. And even though it's not on the site, the Wii U logo is on the sprite sheet. And this is not a general sprite sheet for Activision's website. This is under the Call of Duty section of the site, like, within a folder within Call of Duty. So, in other words, why would they... It's coming. Why would they put a logo there if it wasn't? To tease those people that did just that. But why would they go through the effort of making room for it on the sprite and importing it to the sprite? And Because they're that evil? They might be. But what I think might happen is, just like every year, I think what's going to happen is, you know, they announced it for Xbox and PlayStation. It's going to come to Wii U later. Yeah, there's a flurry of rumors, such as this one, of, oh, is it going to come to Wii U? Oh, it's not going to come to Wii U. Oh, wait, it is going to come to Wii U? none of the DLC and exactly. probably some of the, none of the maps or whatever. Yeah, and then, like, six weeks before it comes out, they'll announce it in off-the-cuff off the announcement. Just like, oh, yeah, you're getting Call of Duty. Have fun. No screenshots. Just go buy it and trust us. It's real. And then they, people buy it. And then, like you said, like, two weeks later... Activision is like, like, oh yeah, we don't have DLC for it. And everyone that bought it's like, uh, what? And then, you know, it's the Sonic cycle of Call of Duty on Nintendo. Basically. So, um, hopefully this changes things. Maybe they'll announce it sooner, I don't know. But it sounds like it's, it's Wii U bound. And like I said, I was said there's other third-party games coming. And there have been some odd successes on Wii U, to be honest, with third parties. I know we bemoaned it at first, but Sonic Lost World actually turned out to sell pretty decently with all said and done. It, uh... Originally, like last year, we were saying, oh, the sales are so bad. This was back in, like, January. But now Sega's put out hard numbers for the 3DS and Wii U versions combined, and it's 710,000 copies. That's pretty respectable. We don't know the ratio of Wii U to 3DS, but it does show that, you know, partnerships with third parties, in this case through the Nintendo-themed DLC, they do help 
in some way. Sonic sold well, at least something. Sega doesn't fully regret. No, they don't regret it at all. Yeah. I mean, Sonic Boom's still coming, not exclusively, but we'll get we'll, we'll get it. So the one other thing I well, I did say didn't. Wait, wasn't it exclusive? Wasn't that like the last game? Sonic of the Boom? Game? No. Oh, you're right. It was, it was Olympics it, or whatever. Olympics. Yeah. It was, Sonic Boom. Is it exclusive? I'm pretty sure it's the last game. Wait, it might be exclusive. You might be right. I'm pretty sure it's the last one. But I could have sworn there would have been Olympics, Lost World, and this one. I think you're right. Uh, I'm checking. Everyone gets to listen as I tap away at your phone. Yep. Pretty you sure. know it's funny if you search Sonic Boom, it gives you Wikipedia results for Sonic Boom. Oh, you're right. This is okay. You're right. So I take back what I said. Uh, thank you. I take back what I said. Sega does have confidence in the Wii U, not just some confidence, full confidence, because here's exclusive or, three. and Nintendo paid contract? them. And Nintendo paid them. <laughs> yeah, it's under contract. But the, the one last part of the Wii U strategy I want to discuss was, this was during the Q&A, uh, he pointed out that the Wii U is not going to be abandoned Dreamcast style. So that's good for us. And he said, I mean, he made a good point. The, the, Did he specifically call out the Dreamcast? No, not by name, but he just said we can't <laughs> Dreamcast style. <laughs> yeah, we're not, do, we're not pulling Dreamcast on you guys. No, what he was saying, which is a really good point, actually, is that they got to keep the current customers happy before they move on to another platform. Like, if they ditch us, the hardcore fans that bought it, and then release a new platform, they're going to alienate so many of us that we won't buy the new platform. And then they don't know if they'll get a new audience. At least by keeping us happy for a while and then introducing a new platform, we will transition over to it, and it can at least guarantee those sales. So his main priority is keeping the current customers happy and then attracting new customers, not the other way around. Are you That's why the way he's keeping around. What? Are you satisfied yet? I thought, yeah, I think it's great. It has a good lineup. We're getting Mario Kart in two weeks. So you would the lineup's not, no, let me rephrase, a good first-party lineup. All the first-party games that have come out have been really good quality. No, no, that's what I'm asking. Like, if they were to release a new console... Oh, no, 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 I'd want right? a few years. Because you buy it as a long-term investment, I feel like. When you buy the Wii U, you don't say, I'm going to buy this for two so years. So they come out with something in November, this November. You they won't, they won't, though. Hypothetical. Would you buy it? Yeah, because I'm a Nintendo well, sucker. So I'm, I'm, not the, I'm the exception, not the rule. I'm I'm unusual because I buy everything Nintendo does pretty much. Um, well, what about you? Would you? Well, yeah. Okay, so we're both exceptions. <laughs> Maybe I was wrong. Maybe he's misreading. Maybe he doesn't know how loyal we are. We have Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> I mean, we won't be happy, but we'll buy it. Yeah. Huh. Well, I wonder how many people are like that. Actually, hey, if you listeners feel the same way, if you would buy Nintendo Proc whenever they release, even if it was two years after the Wii U, I guess this would be three years at this point. Um, it's about time. I mean, I don't every know. five years, whatever. I don't know. Would you want a new Wii? Leave a comment at Ramsey. Some people buy episode seventy and let us know. Some people buy a new two hundred dollar phone every two years. That's different though. We're conditioned into knowing that's what you're supposed to do. Consoles you're conditioned into owning for five or six years. That's the problem. You know. Yeah. Whatever. But uh, so yeah, those are the console specific strategies Nintendo has to save themselves. But they have much bigger notable strategies as well. Uh, lots of these were first mentioned in January during their briefing then, but now they've like kind of dug a little deeper into giving us information. So I guess we'll start with the eShop. Because one of the dark horses, I don't know if you really know this, but one of the dark horses with uh, Nintendo's ongoing recovery from their horrible profits the last few years is the growth of the eShop and just Nintendo's digital presence as a whole. Like It's, it's doing quite well. Download sales actually tripled in the last two years. Uh, last year alone, it rose by 8.4 billion yen, which translates to 84 million bucks in the last year alone. So this is like their this is their secret weapon is their eShop stuff. That's the one thing that's really turning a profit or bringing in money, I should say. So to further promote and further grow that, 
which, uh, you know, obviously the bigger the profit they turn on this, the better, specifically compared to retail because they don't have to pay distribution, they don't have to pay packaging. They just put a game on a server and just maintain the servers, which is much cheaper than printing off cases and everything. Uh, so to build that more, to get more people involved, Nintendo's going to be rolling out NFC-based uh, e-payment options over in Japan. So they have these e-money cards in Japan, which are apparently quite common. And uh, Nintendo's going to let it so you just tap your gamepad and it pays. Which is so much, such a lower barrier of entry than having to enter your credit card, confirm the payment, go buy a prepaid card, scratch off the bat. You know, like there's all these different methods, but, or two methods, but they both are like five steps. This is literally tap and done. And then probably a confirmation screen, so like two steps. Yeah, I would like it to be a confirmation screen. Like, are you sure? Well, yeah, 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 because then your kid would just start hammering your e-credit card thing on the thing. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure it'd be like a confirmation, but still, that for casual consumers, they don't want to jump through so many hoops. Like iTunes is one click and then one confirmation and it's yours. That's sometimes what no confirmation. Sometimes no confirmation. Yeah. That's true, if you recently made a purchase, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's one way they're using NFC. The other way, which they also said was coming, is um, their plans to leverage it in figurines, the technology in figurines. So uh, it's a little, it's kind of a smart move because they're combining two different things they're doing. NFC was something Nintendo said they are going to do, and actively using their properties, their characters, their IPs was another thing they said they are going to do. You know, licensing them out to people and using them in new ways within the company. This combines them. What they're doing is uh, making essentially Skylander or Disney... Uh, style toys and then they'll go on the shelf and this is how they can leverage the IP because suddenly you're in the toy section it's bombarded with bright colorful Nintendo character packaging and you're reminded oh these Nintendo characters oh they have these games oh and it's like you know free advertising on the shelf for them so that's how they can leverage the IP in that way and then the other way of course is they get to build games that use these things so they're doing it a bit differently instead of just being plat- uh, figurines that go with a specific game they're building out a platform for these figurines multiple games multiple systems they'll all hook into it They'll all use the figurines. Kind of Skylanders, because that was more like, I don't know, like a, it's a game. Well, no, this is this is multiple games. Skylanders was yeah, you can put them between your friends' games and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's all Skylanders. This is different games, different consoles doing different things, all leveraging the same figurine. Hmm. It's like they're calling it a whole platform, opposed to just like a one-off thing. And they're they're actually calling it the NFP instead of NFC. So NFP stands for the equally uncreative. Nintendo figurine platform and NFC figurine platform. Man, where do where does Nintendo get these great names, right? <laughs> it's uh, so yeah, the figurines are gonna have NFC chips, just like Skylanders, just like Disney. They're gonna be readable and writable, which means data can be go can go back and forth between them. And uh, like I said, it's gonna be like a whole platform. So Wii U, obviously, it works with the game pad. You put it on the game pad like you do Pokemon Rumble. It goes in the game. It writes back to the character. For 3DS, they're gonna release a little like. Uh, also like a Skylander portal-looking thing that will communicate through IR with your 3DS. And that'll come out early next year. So that will be a way to communicate with 3DS yeah. games. What would their portal look like? It's There's pictures already. It's a little round white circle. That's it. Oh, I thought that was just like a placeholder. No, that's the actual one. Oh, that's unfortunate. I think. Maybe they'll spice it up, but I feel like why would they? They want to keep it clean and simple. Because the point is, these aren't toys for a specific game. They can't have it match the well, style of a Metroid game or something. Well, it has to be well, generic. I mean, like the... the pl- the portal for Disney Infinity is pretty simple, but it still looks really cool. That's true, but it also matches the whole branding and style of Disney Infinity. It has the angular lines. It has the, it has like the the, the Disney Infinity logo is that like kind of hexagonal the box, which is what. Because I mean, like. I'm, I mean, I feel like it's pretty safe to say that the platform that Mario is on is not final. Cause no, 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 wait. I think we're talking about different things. No, no, no. I'm talking about the portal and the platform. Mario is an example. Well, Mario, 
The figurine, yeah. the one figurine they did show, I will say, looks really detailed. That's nice. It actually looks like a high quality figurine. It, was, it looked like vinyl or something, but um, or maybe really well sculpted plastic. Either way, he's on a little base that almost looks like a Smash Bros. character figurine base, and I have a feeling they're gonna keep it that way because that's where the NFC chip is. They need a flat, big surface to put the NFC chip in. So I think the base is not changing. The portal for them, or the whatever you want to call it, I guess that could change. But I feel like if you want to make a whole like generic platform that these games can work across you know these figurines can work across genres can work across systems you probably don't want to Wait, wouldn't the platform be the Wii U gamepad for the Wii U we're talking about for the oh, 3DS oh for 3DS that's right for the 3DS you probably want something that is yeah, generic right. yeah. which is why it's just a grey circle with a white top hmm. but you never know I mean they're gonna detail it a lot more at E3 this is just a teaser to give us a, a sense of what's coming but whatever it is it's a whole platform it's not just a one off bit it's something they think is different but to me, it kind of feels like a glorified memory card at this point. I mean, Wii remotes on the Wii, opposed to some other Wii remote for something else, uh, they they used to be able to download and upload data from multiple games. You could swap between games. And that's exactly what these do. Like, I was saying, like, oh, with NFP, you can have, like, custom characters. You, and you download and upload information back and forth to the figurine, which holds it, like a memory card, I guess. Uh, sure, that's what the Wii remote did, exactly what the Wii remote did. Take it to a friend's house, upload your character there, do your thing, bring the character back to the Wiimote, go back home, upload it again. Like, this isn't a new technology. So unless Nintendo has some really clever new concept in store, I, I'm i kind of meh about the whole thing right now. It's just like, oh, now I need to buy these figurines as memory cards. Okay. Yeah, but we don't know what they do, though. I Right. That's why I said unless they have a new concept in store. Like, if it's the way that I want to pitch it, where it's just like, yup, you can customize characters and transfer it back and forth, it's like, great. But if there's some crazy new feature of them, or they have some crazy game that backs this in a really interesting way, sure, maybe I'll be more on board. With that said... Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Cause, I mean especially because if it's going to be between all these different games that presumably aren't really centered around that figurine, it's just like its yeah. own game that happens to have features from it. Yeah. I feel like it's not going to be really like... I don't know. I don't want to say bare bones, but... I mean, they can't... I don't know. It will be. It, it, yeah, it's, it's going to be something that's just kind of tacked on there just so like can be compatible my suspicion unless like it's like oh you're gonna put this character here oh now you could no like like it's not gonna be like oh now you could play as mario unless you could play as mario like in every game that's gonna go come out going yeah. forward my suspicion honestly is that there's gonna be one or two games where Richard Prime will, and samus will wear a mario hat they see they did that with wii remote or with save data in metro prime 3 other stuff saved on your Wii imported yeah, extra you get things. A bubble so this literally, if if they were to go that route, they've done this before in cleaner ways that didn't require you spending money. Now, what I was gonna say is, I think what they may do is they may have a central game or two that really leverage. Mm, maybe maybe you pull like, oh, this Mario came from this Zelda game, so now when you go back to this game, I guess like the core NFC game. Yeah. I guess like it pulls whatever data from. Your progress on that game when See, you put it there. That would be interesting, and that would get me a little more interested. But the way I want to pitch it, where it's just like, yup, you just move them back and forth. It's like, all right, cool. But no, if they did something like that, would they have like a set. If Nintendo Land was released now and leveraged what you did in other Nintendo games through your NFC character, and when you put the characters down, it somehow introduced them into the world in a way that wasn't just transferring save data. That would be interesting. Like an achievement hub. Or something. Something. I mean, I think I think we're going to see uh, one game in particular that uses it. I, I have a very strong suspicion Super Smash Brothers for Wii U and 3DS is going to use it. Would it would be the most sensible way to make them, like, 
communicate with each other. Yeah, I mean, well, here all the signs point to it. I mean, like you said, that's how they would communicate. Because Masahiro Sakurai, the head of the series, as I always say. The center around trophies. Yeah, it centers around trophies. He said characters can be customized, but won't tell us how, beyond moveset. He said uh, there's a transfer mechanism, but won't tell us what transferred or how. And, like you said, the game is known for trophies. The original games, you brought trophies to life. The new one, they have trophies you collect. It makes perfect sense. Especially because, like, I was like, yup, these characters can, can be customized. And then Sakurai's like, yup, our characters can be customized, but we can't tell you how and we can't tell you what the transfer method is. Gee, I wonder. So I would not be surprised if, come June, come next month, at E3, they go, hey guys, check out Smash Bros. for 3DS and Wii U. Oh, and by the way... Full line of Smash Bros. toys. That would be lame if um, the only customization says um, the ones that he described on the direct. Yeah. And then you could save, like, oh, the corresponding character toy. You could transfer that exact customization to the 3DS instead of just doing it manually on the 3DS. Oh, yeah, that would be kind of lame. Yeah, I, I hope it's more than that. See, I keep worrying Nintendo's going to go bare bones with this. I feel like it's not. I don't know. Like, it, it's, easy to, it's easier to be pessimistic because most of the time like we wish for all these cool things and then it ends up not being that great because we end up coming up with really, really good ideas sometimes. Yeah. Kind of like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is because I spoiled things for myself. Like, <laughs> as soon as they announced, like, oh, anti-gravity stuff with Mario Kart like, World, Rainbow Road's going to be amazing. Like, with all these things, oh, just look at this level that's coming out. Like, wow, and that's just Rainbow space Road. station. And then, and then we see Rainbow Road, and it's like, wow. Like, it, it feels like they, wow. Like, yeah, that's pretty much my reaction. Just wow. Like, and not a positive wow. Yeah, no. In a, very, a negative wow. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look oh, bad. Wow. It just looks like there was, like, no imagination went in there. Sure. Well. If everything's anti-gravity, the one thing in space that you expect to be anti-gravity, I guess, is going to be disappointing no matter what. Yeah, like... How you, an- how you top anti-grav in anti-grav? You can't. Yeah. I like that they did a space station. It gives some realism to why Rainbow Road exists, but I don't like how generic it looks, yeah. But that's for our Mario Kart discussion down the road. Pun intended. Well, I mean, they managed to make the N64 Rainbow Road look great without having to explain why it's floating. That's true. I mean, I, th- I think that's going to be the last thing you it's care true. about when it, it looks that good. I don't know. When I play Mario Kart, I don't like winning. I like picking apart how it's all possible. No, I'm kidding. It's a rainbow. They're suspended in the air. Either that's way. true. Well, they're light. How are you driving on light? You would go right through it. Have you ever tried to drive on one? I don't know. Don't answer that. Um, yes. No. Yes. Puddles. Driving over puddles that have rainbows in them. And I guess I did drive on it successfully. Sort of. Well, technically, no. No, because it went away as soon as my tire covered it. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, they were well, going ra- rainbow, Rainbows only exist while you're looking at them. Yeah, because it's the way the light's saying it. Yeah. yeah. So technically, no, you're right. Well, that was a nice detour about literally nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Rainbows. Every rainbow you see is only unique to you because you're standing in that exact position that that rainbow Well, that, that's true. That's not true because multiple people can see a rainbow at the same time. Yeah, but, but the exact the... rainbow they're seeing yeah, is yours. That, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, gotcha. So, so back to Nintendo. Uh, there is one other strategy I want to discuss, uh, which is that Nintendo's expanding into emerging markets. Um, basically... There's been some news out of China recently that they are lifting a foreign game console ban. It used to be you can only sell video games in China if they're made in China. Oh, this is old. I remember we talked about this the a ban long time ago. or yeah. them jumping in. Yeah, about like that them lifting the ban and something about that Nintendo. Nintendo said they're going to look into it. That they've always had something in Japan, but it was called something else. It was in China. Yeah, China first of all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, now well now the thing is yeah it was called the IQ, and what it was was it was a joint partnership between Nintendo and some Chinese company. I don't remember its name. And basically, they released the N64 and they released the DS as IQ and IQDS. And how it worked is instead of getting cartridges, this hardware, which was made by the Chinese company, would download the games at retail kiosks. And that's how you got your games. They'd have flash memory. 
So it was like a separate method. But what's what's new now is Nintendo, because right, we talked about in the past, Nintendo said we're going to look at expanding markets. We're going to expand into expanding markets. What they're now saying is we're doing it with different hardware. We're doing it with new hardware. We're not doing it with our current setup, our current games, our current systems. It's going to be different. It's going to be less... It's going to be less what Microsoft's doing, where it's like, here's the Xbox One, China. It's going to be more about, um, here's something kind of like the IQ, or something totally different. Because what I was saying, in to Bloomberg, actually, following this um, financial briefing, is that they need to find an appropriate balance between product and price. Right now, you can't just put like a Wii U in China and expect it to do well. So that's the new wrinkle in it, and that's why I brought it up. And what's interesting is this isn't a thing that's exclusive to uh, Nintendo. This is like a general trend in tech, focusing on emerging markets, making custom products for those markets. iPhone 5C exists because they wanted to crack China. Mm-hmm. China doesn't pay as much for phones. iPhone 5C was supposed to be cheaper. That's where that came from. Uh, Mo- Motorola's doing the same thing. They have the Moto G and the Moto E, two phones that are not the highest specs, but good bang for your buck, and are doing. And Moto G is Motorola's best phone, best-selling phone ever, better than the Razer, and that was primarily made for emerging markets. Nokia is doing it too. Nokia, who makes Windows phones, has an Android phone called the Nokia X that they're making for emerging markets. So, like, this is not a Nintendo thing. This is a known thing that people are doing. Emerging markets are getting caught up with the internet, getting caught up with technology, and as such, people are adapting and making products for them. So, what's interesting is this is the first time Nintendo's ever made specific consoles for specific regions that are totally independent. Sure, we have the 2DS and Japan doesn't. And sure, China had the IQ and we don't. But it sounds like this is the first yeah, time Nintendo's going to actually make like a very specific machine for a specific place. Or it could just be IQ too. Who knows? But it sounds like they're doing something different. So that's what we know about how Nintendo's going to save themselves. And what's interesting to me is that like in the past with Wii and DS, it was very like blue ocean strategy, big overarching strategy. This is, our, this is what we're doing. Here's Nintendo's philosophy, and here's how we're enforcing it. Now it's a bit more scattered. They're kind of scrambling a little. Like we have, you know, oh, well, we're going to do this with the Wii U, and then this with the 3DS. Oh, and I guess we'll do the quality of life thingy. And, I mean, at the same time, we're also going to look at emerging markets. Like, it's always, like, different little, like, throwing darts at a board sort of thing and seeing what, seeing what sticks when they throw everything at the wall. But uh, it is worth mentioning quality of life since I said it. They didn't talk about. All I want says is, said it'll be shown later this year. It'll be out after April 2015. And, of course, uh, he kept telling the line of, Nintendo knows how to make it fun experiences. So we're going to take our knowledge of video games and apply it to non-video game things, like we did with Wii Fit and Brain Age. Hmm. So that's what Call of Life will have in store. Um, there's also, apparently, Nintendo invested $100 million in some secret technology. No one knows who, no one knows what. But uh, that's something else I didn't really discuss, but they're rd something. He did say they're already working on he the next... He would tell co- people, but then he'd have to kill them. Exactly. He did, he did say in the investor Q&A that they are working on their next console and they have an idea of what they want to do, but he always won't elaborate. And they're always working on next machine, so it's not like a shocker. They're already working on it. Why even invest in this one? Because they're already working on it. Well, the second, know, the, they, ship, yeah, the second they ship a console, they do the next one. But whatever this $100 million investment is, I'm sure it's going to that next console. I, who knows what it is, though. And he also didn't detail Nintendo's first smartphone app, which is something that you would think would be out by now, but they're really taking their time with. What he did mention, though was some other ways they're using mobile to get, uh, you know, in non-gaming ways, I guess, since they won't make a gaming thing for mobile. And that, in this case, is the Mario Kart TV app, which launches right alongside the game or shortly thereafter in a couple weeks. So I think he announced it a while ago, but we now have seen what it looks like. You log in with your NNID, Nintendo Arc ID, and you can watch videos of friends. You can watch, uh, you know, see tournament footage from tournaments you've entered. You can check your rankings. 
basically it's like a little like hub of your stats. If you're not logged in, if you don't have any town network ID, you can still browse more general level stuff. Of the website that they had for Mario Kart DS, because I remember mm-hmm. it had I kept track of your races, the wins and losses, and I had like a bunch of charts and yeah, this has all those charts. This should have all that, but it has your specific highlight videos. The I think DS website had just general videos because mm-hmm. they weren't tracking video on DS. Oh yeah, but but this one, what's smart is. Like with the Mario Kart site before for DS, yeah, you could see that, but no one's going to browse it otherwise. This one, Nintendo's trying to make it so other people will browse it. They'll have, like, you know, the latest tournament stuff and whatnot. So even if you don't have a Nintendo Network ID, kind of like if you go Miiverse with that one, you could still peruse around, and Nintendo's hoping that will get you to go buy the game, because you'll be like, wow, this looks awesome. And that's also, of course, why they're doing the YouTube thing, because they're hoping people will find you on YouTube, watch, and go, I need a Wii U, and go buy one. Most videos so. uploaded to YouTube is not Mario Kart 8. <laughs> if only. If only they could sell that. Because every kid ever is going to like just like hit the upload button every time. Yep. But keep in mind, that's true for so many other things too. Nintendo's competition. Yeah. Uh, but what was I going to say? Yeah, so we that's pretty much what we know. That's what came out of Nintendo Financial Briefing. A whole lot of, we're going to do what we told you we're going to do. Here's a little more about it. So Nintendo's definitely an interesting place right now. Uh, it's, like I said, it feels like they're just throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks versus having a clear-cut strategy, but maybe quality of life will be that clear-cut strategy. I, I don't know. But what I do know is outside the financial report, there was also some other news, some actual game news. So I guess we can transition over to that with the biggest game story from the last two weeks, which I should say, I feel like Nintendo released when they did specifically to counter their poor financials. There is no way that announcing a full-fledged Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire remake six hours after they announced these bad sales numbers was a coincidence. No way. No way. So the remake, especially when you consider that they didn't have footage, they didn't have screenshots, they did a trailer of literally box art flying around. <laughs> like, if that wasn't Nintendo going, crap, we have a problem, let's just pump out Pokemon right now, keep them happy. I, like, that is, by definition, that's how you would do it. So, what the new game is, is Pokemon uh, Pokemon Omega Ruby, Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, which is the worst name almost of any in the series. Maybe Heart Gold and Soul Silver is a little worse, but at least those kind of made sense. This makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at least that I know of. Um, but yeah, we don't really know. I mean, no comment on the name and the, the, I guess in the, in the trailer, they had like little bumpers that kind of, I don't know, raised a lot of questions about about whether, how much of a remake this actually is. Because it says, discover a whole new region. And I'm like, okay, well, are they saying that because a bunch of people, because like, are they saying that because a bunch of people haven't played it before or because it really is a new region? And I don't know, that's a guess. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe it's just, like, black and white, too. Like, it's Maybe. the same region, just, like, takes place a few years later. But then, I don't know, I feel like, didn't they already confirm that it's an actual remake? Yeah, that's what's confusing, and I, I was going to say the same thing. It's like, even the press release, when I was, like, you know, gathering all the stuff for this episode, they say a new world, a new adventure, and then I was reading the financial transcript from, you know, Iwata talking. He's like, yeah, we just announced the remake of Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah, cause if that's so case, literally, if Nintendo that, is confused. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, if I had to guess, it, it might Semi-remake. literally just be it's a remake. They're just saying that because I, I guess it's safe to assume a lot of kids these days haven't played that game. Yeah, or even know it existed. The one thing I know for sure is changing. This is confirmed by Game Freak, who teased it. There's some sort of, I'm just going to read the quote here, change in the competitive battle environment. So they're changing something beyond, compared adding, to X and Y. Adding more Megas? 
who knows? Well, yeah, for well, the yeah, they, for the for the ruby sapphire guys. I don't think it's that. I think it's some sort of structural change because that's not a cha- that's not a serious change. That's expected. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's pretty serious sometimes. It changes like which Pokemon get picked more. True. Mm-hmm. Also, of note, I mean, I a- mean, Pinter went from not being picked at all to being like one of the best Pokemon in the whole game. That's true. Also, of note, this is the first generation, I believe, that we don't have a third game. They're going straight from X and Y to new remakes. They usually do a year with uh, Emerald or Crystal or Yellow or, in this case, Z. Unless they do the re- the third yeah. game after. That way it makes... Uh, actually? You if, might be on something. If, if, if happens, they do... No. They, they went Black usually. and White, Heart, Gold, Silver, and then Black 2 and White 2. But that was a little different. Oh, maybe. Yeah, whatever it is. But Fire Red and Leaf Green came out after Emerald. On Game Boy Advance. Yeah, but this is more recent. I mean, that was like older... Yeah, the last gener- last generation might- had the remix in between. That's the true. Sequels. That's true. I didn't think of that. I wonder. Well, keep in mind, Black and White Two is also different because that's a full fledged sequel. So unless they do X and Y Two, because they were like half sequels. Well, I mean, they could do whatever they want. I mean, at this point, they also they, 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 they also maybe just wanted to push Ruby and Sapphire because that's the one that they know people really really Hoenn have been like for. Hoenn confirmed. I mean, people have been wanting it for such a long time. Now but, I wonder. I, mean, I wonder if they do Z. It's safer. Yeah, if they do Z after. Uh, Omega and Alpha, that could mean whatever compa- whatever changes they're actually making to the battle environment or whatever they're changing in game, they could then implement that into Z and make that a selling point of like revisit X and Y now with the features of Omega and Alpha. Yeah, that actually makes sense. That yeah. would that almost makes too much sense. But uh, I, I really hope, which I feel is going to be the case, that this new introduction to battling is going to be some new battle style that's not even going to be used. Kind of like how. When Black and White came out, they're like, oh, a new competitive way to battle, and it's like triple battles, and no one does triple battles. Right, yeah. Or introducing double, well, actually, I can't say that, because when they introduced double battles, double they battles it, became the official way to battle. They made it the standard, yeah. And listen, I mean, actually, that's the thing, too. Nintendo could suddenly decide this new way to battle is going to be the official way. They're not going to change. You see, with double battles, they wait, didn't they wait a generation of double battles before they made it official? No, I, I think it was right away. It was right away? Yeah, I think so. Because double battles were in... Ruby and Sapphire. Ruby, yeah. But they didn't have competitive playback well, then. Know. So they had to at some point have switched. I don't know, because I, I want to say they... I don't know. I, I, Ruby and I, Sapphire I, was 2003 or four. Hmm. I don't think they did the competitive circuit like they do now then. I could be wrong. I don't know. It's always been double battles as far as I started looking into it. So I don't know. 2003. It I don't was know March what? 2003. I didn't... Or 2002 maybe? I'm just trying to spit it out off the top of my head. Um, 2003. I'm going to say 2003. It's interesting to note that um, since you can still grab your Pokemon from Ruby and Sapphire, at some point they're probably going to end up back into Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah, that's kind of funny how that works. Um, I also find it interesting, I know I kind of said this already, but I found it so weird that they announced it without any footage. And then when they did release footage, all they did was show uh, the two legendaries, like a rotating camera around them, with no sound. It was like beta footage. How early on are they announcing this just to bury their own bad financial news? <laughs> like, I bet you they were going to do a real unveiling at E3 with a trailer, with music, with footage, with screenshots, with anything. It was just... Yeah. It is the weirdest announcement in times ever. They could have, like, literally just tweeted it. Like, they, there was nothing. They didn't show anything. They did, like, basically just tweet a YouTube link. Yep. It was weird. Uh, but, but that also means there's so much speculation. Yeah, I guess it was also, like, just people's confirmation. Because for some reason, so... Saw a lot of people like pretty sure they were gonna go back to sprites or something. Like what? no, yeah, what? it's like why would they do that? They're just gonna use the same engine. Well, I could guarantee they're not gonna go back to sprites before the footage came out because yeah, they're gonna use the same engine for one thing, and two, the box 
says some portions in 3D. It has the exact same portion 3D disclaimer as X and Y. If it was sprites, they would have the rendering power to do it all in 3D, not only some parts. Well, they could still there you go. They could still do 3D for sprites. I mean, no, but I'm saying the reason that uh, the reason that X and Y says some oh, portions yeah, yeah, are 3D yeah, yeah, opposed gotcha, to all gotcha, is because yeah. it p- pushed the system. If it was sprites, they would not need to say some. It would have been all right. No, no, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. So the fact once it saw once I saw that in the box art in the unveiled video, I was like, okay, it's the X and Y engine, and then the footage confirmed it. Although I did find it funny, everyone was freaking out on the internet because like first footage of X and Y co- or sorry Omega and Alpha coming up this weekend or whatever, and everyone's like counting down and watching Japanese streams, and they were all expecting gameplay, but no one ever said gameplay. Well, 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 so they, then after they showed the they you got know, footage, yeah, after they showed the legendaries, um, everyone's like, "Where's the gameplay?" And then I, I looked at the original announcement, I'm like, "They never said mm. gameplay, guys, never." Yeah, just footage. Of yeah, Groudon and Kyogre. Yep. So. um... I don't know, what are your thoughts on a Ruby and Sapphire remake? I mean, I, I'll i be honest, they're probably... Be, they're like my second least played in the series. I did... A little story time real quick. Oh so it came out a day before my spring break when I was like 14 or 13 or whatever. 2003, I'd be 14. No, I'd be 13 at that point because it would have been March. It came out March of one spring break of mine, and I was going on an airplane to Hawaii the next day. Like, it came out that night. Or that day, you know, the day before. So I take it on the plane, I play it, go to Hawaii. We're at this resort where normally, like, you don't play. It's like a resort where they don't have phones, they don't have TV, you just kind of hang out. We had family friends go with us, and I was going to, like, usually we get there on the same day, but this year, for some reason, our friends were coming, like, two days later or something, and I knew no one at the resort. Because it's kind of like you go off and do your own thing, your parents are reading by the pool, you're going with your buddies and running amok on the beach, I don't know. So I had no one to do anything with, so I was like... I'll just play Ruby. Or did I have Sapphire? I had Ruby. So I'll just play Ruby. So I literally sat, like, on the porch of our, like, hotel thing, playing Ruby for, like, two days straight. And then that's pretty much my only experience with Ruby. I do not remember playing it any other time except that 48-hour period on the beach, on the big island of Hawaii, next to the ocean, where I could be, like, out in Hawaii and instead I'm sitting on the porch of our hotel, hotel just playing Ruby. Yeah, I mean, it was, but it's just kind of like, that's like the last thing. Like, whenever I hear Ruby and Sapphire, I don't think about, oh, yeah, that was the game with blah, 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 or that was the game with this other thing. I think of me sitting on that porch. It's strange. Well, I thought you were going to have a, a more... No, it's not like play, a... Played play out experience, but... It's not an eventful story. It's no, just right. kind of weird. That, you know how, like, when you hear a song on the radio and you always, like, associate with a specific moment in time? Yeah. That's... Well, I don't know if you do, but, like, because you hear it at that moment so many times or whatever. That's literally, whenever anyone says Ruby, I just flash back to that. I cannot tell you anything about the game. I barely remember it. Oh. But I remember playing it sitting there. It's, it's very weird. Well, I guess if we're sharing. Um, I didn't play Ruby until maybe with a year or two after Diamond and Pearl came out. Cause I didn't, oh, yeah, you didn't get into Pokemon. Yeah, I didn't really care for the Pokemon games until after Diamond and Pearl. I just played Blue and kind of skipped everything else. Yeah. And since that was already like, like, oh, like, oh, like competitive flattening or whatever, I just went through it. It was fun. Not really, no. Didn't really feel too special because I didn't play when it came out. Right. It was just more to see what, I don't know, like, oh, I wonder if I could get any Pokemon from here that I don't have in Diamond and Pearl. And was Ruby, I didn't. Was Ruby the one with the squirrel that stood on its tail and had a round donut thing in its stomach? No, that's Gold and Silver. You're talking about Centret. I am talking about Centret. Yeah. But Centret was in Ruby? No. No. Who was in Ruby? I really don't. Who are the starters? I don't remember anything. Torchic. Right. Mudkip, right. Trico. Right. Oh, Mudkip. I think Torchic was my starter. Maybe it was Mudkip. Yeah. I don't know. I just picture a beach. 
So to answer the original question that you asked um, about how I feel about this game. I don't oh, know. right. Did, Sorry, I took us down a so, weird side path. Oh, so because, like, I guess I didn't really, like, I mean, sure, the story was, like, fine. It was, like, I mean, it was, it was a fun game. And I liked the diving. The diving was pretty cool. But, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I guess since, like I said before, like, I don't really care too much about the story. Unless they add, unless this new battle mechanic actually changes how current battles work that I'm actually, like, the, are the type of battles I actually care about, I'm probably not going to buy it. Right. But because it's probably going to have new Megas or new things that are going to be standard to Pokemon that I'm probably not going to be able to interact with unless I have this new game. And you have to buy it. It's like a patch. Like, it's, really, it's really just like, oh, it's like getting Ultra Street Fighter 4 or sure. whatever. So. Yeah, and I mean, and you do play Pokemon competitively. Like, that's not competitively like in tournaments, although you have done that. Yeah, it's more like... I mean, like, you play in a competitive just, mindset. Yeah, it's just a fun competitive. Like, I'll try to make, like, the best team I possibly can, but I want to make, like, a team and T-themed one. Which and, and, I, and, and I made a really good one that I, I, I'm really proud of. Your Ninja Turtle team, yeah. Yeah. Like, and I, I would try to make sure every team could hold up against like any other team. And with, this is a good men- good time to mention you kind of segued it in perfectly for me. I wasn't going to say anything about it, but now that you mention it, your extra on the site this past week was really good, talking about the competitive Pokemon scene, specifically the use of hacking. Because like, there's, there's websites out there. Where you can build your own Pokemon. Like, you just type in the stats and type in it's everything. <laughs> and you just get your perfect Pokemon and you just come up with strategies doing that. And you did a really cool article about it on the site. Yeah, uh, like for people that just want to battle, like, a, like I said before on the podcast, I know, like, that. For me, yeah, we like, yeah, yeah, like, the perfect Pokemon game is literally just, like, an RPG maker. Where you just, like, pick the Pokemon you want to use, you make the stats, and then you just battle. And that's essentially what your article is pitching, is that concept. Oh. Because of the... Whole, like the, the hacking thing it's not like hacking like cheating it's not hacking like cheating to win it's hacking to make a team that you then use legit Pokemon for to win yeah the thing is why I like Battle Revolution so much because um, a, a, a lot of the challenges came from like they gave you like groups of Pokemon to pick mm-hmm. and you just pick the ones you wanted look up the moves and then just battle yeah that's it like I, I love I, yeah. Stadium was like that too oh, yeah, but... Stadium 1 and 2 but that's been your but, but, not yeah, but that, about Pokemon. Yeah, yeah that was pre Diamond and Pearl. I'm gonna point out that Stadium One and Two had actually really fun mini games. They were literally like, "Here's a, here's a Scyther cutting oh, some no, wood." Oh no, 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 yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's I, like, I, I mean, I was exposed to the mini games. Here's Lickitung so, yeah. licking some pastries off a conveyor belt, but it's super fun. No, yeah, I, I played that more than battle mode. I feel like I was a weird kid. No. Apparently, all I remember about Pokemon is playing it on beach. So I'm a weird kid. But no, I was gonna say that. Uh, yeah, your article. So for those who haven't read it yet if you go ramtown.com it's called how hacking keeps pokemon competitive it's right next to this episode on the homepage. it's a good article you make a, ra- a good comparison to chess so without spoiling what that comparison is go check out the article on the site when you're done listening to this fine episode of the podcast it or paints, not so fine. It, it, it paints a pretty picture kind of like how you will be painting pokemon when pokemon art academy comes out brilliant transition Thank yes you. pokemon art academy was just announced for the uh 3ds and it's uh it's, you know, it's what you expect. It's Art Academy, but Pokemon out. Like, it's... Co- okay, so it's coming to Europe, Pokemon out. Is drawing Voltorb too hard? <laughs> can, are you having trouble with that circle? Let us show you. Our, di- our ditto's, like, squiggliness is too Is your ditto missing a lump? <laughs> is your ditto a perfect sphere? Is your Doug Trio only a Doug Duo? Let us help. Uh, but, no, so it's coming out in Europe and Japan this summer for 3DS, and it's coming to the U.S. sometime... And the rest of North America. Sometime in the fall... And as the name implies, like, 
we were saying, it is basically a Pokemon art academy. So there's going to be four different lessons, all taught by Professor Andy, who I can only assume is the Pokemon world Picasso, right? Why or they, why didn't they just call him Tracy? I feel like they already have a Tracy in the cartoon, Orange Island. Like, he was a sketch artist. Oh my god, why didn't they just put Tracy, Tracy a, in? Yeah, Never yeah. mind, call him Tracy. Why didn't they make him Tracy? That's why. Like, I mean, he was already the sketcher of the Pokemon world. Why? That was like a missed opportunity. Well, because kids these days don't even know who he is. So. Who cares? For us. Well, well, they have Netflix. For us. What about the hardcore Pokemon fans who have been there since 1996? I would have bought it just for the nod. <laughs> I, I, oh. Really? He would have spent 40 bucks for... Hey, it's 40 Tracy. bucks? Wait, Tracy didn't sketch. He photographed. Tracy was the artist. No. The, the, He's photographed. The photographer is... um. Why do you think his name's Tracy? Oh, duh. <laughs> Wait, who's the photographer? Orange Islands. Orange Islands is Tracy. He, Todd is the photographer. Todd was right. an actor. Right, and Todd came in later. He just came in randomly sometimes. Yeah, because he's in Pokemon Snap. So. Yeah, because I remember like, oh, he's the best Poke- He's the best at right. capturing Pokemon. Oh, you met in film. Oh, that was the joke the whole time. Right, right. Yeah, Tracy. 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 Not to be confused with Tracy Morgan. <laughs> or Jordan. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so he's teaching you these four lessons. And the game actually has a number of changes, I should say, over normal Art Academy. Like, a normal Art Academy is like, oh, this is how you draw an apple with good shading. This one, because it's Pokemon, it's focusing on how to make good cartoony artwork. So it's actually a different... It's not just like we're putting Pokemon on top of Art Academy. It's literally a different type of art. Different art style. Yeah, like, Pikachu looks a lot like the World Championship Pikachu, where he has, like, a perfectly round head, mm-hmm. and it's just more... I guess cutesy. Well, that's current Pikachu. They made him cutesy. He he's lost weight since nineteen ninety. No, no, no. He looks way different. Like I mean, oh, even more so than than game. Yeah, Pikachu. Like, yeah. Current anime Pikachu, like he definitely lost his weight. He looks different. But this yeah. one is like, I don't know. It's almost like a chibi version of Pikachu. No, no, not. Chibi. Oh, I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. He, yeah, he just has yeah. like a really he's more humanoid. He's super simplistic and a little more humanoidish. I was gonna say less, but you think? Yeah, just a just super simple shapes. The uh, oh. the the one in the TV show actually has like. Cheekbones and stuff. Right. Oh yeah, it's true. This one doesn't. Yeah, this yeah. one's just a. It's yeah, just I guess circle. he's not human. Yeah. Well, the circle thing's actually interesting because that's one of the things that now that's cartoon related. That's what they're teaching you is like how to build things out of shapes, how to best color things. That's like the theme of this art academy. And on top of that, they're of course got to do tools that make sense for cartoons: markers, airbrushing, outline pens, that sort of thing. So, um, oh, here's one. Here's one thing that I, and I find absolutely insane. An undo button. How have they had three Articami games with no undo button? Yeah, that's pretty annoying. I didn't know that. But because in real that... life, you don't have an undo. Yeah, it's called an eraser. Yeah, but you still leave the eraser. I know. Yeah. At least in Articami, I guess the eraser mark does go away completely. Mm-hmm. But as far as I can tell, like when I was playing Articami, whatever, mm-hmm. um, shorthand version on the Wii U. First, um, uh, it's not first brush, but it semester? should be. First semester. I don't know. First brush would be so much better because you're painting. Like get, the, get it? Like a paintbrush? Like, at least as far as I can tell, like, the eraser, like, there isn't one eraser that just erases it instantly. Like, you have to rub on it, like, for a long time. Like, right. Like, an actual eraser, and it's yeah. like, why? I, well, I, now I, I, I want to draw digitally to avoid these things. Right. Well, they're trying to simulate real life, I guess. Like oh, well, said. I mean, well, but it also does because, I mean, sometimes you want to not erase it completely. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I, but now there's an undo button. So there we go. That right there is why you would buy this game. 40 bucks for an undo button. But no, along with uh, along with the lessons, Arcane is actually also going to have a free draw mode. It's also going to have a, a quick draw mode. Free draw, you just draw what you want. Quick draw, it gives you a comparison picture. There's 100 built-in comparison pictures of various Pokemon. But here's a cool feature. You can use the camera on the 3DS to make your own reference points. So you can do comparison pictures of anything and then 
have it on the top anything? while you draw on the bottom screen. I mean, hypothetically, right. don't get any crazy ideas. Don't don't Pokemon don't don't make this toys. triple X. When you said anything, that implies certain things. Yeah, like, I didn't like, think like, you, like Pokemon toys. That would not be anything. That'd be logical. Anything. Whatever. So <laughs> I can't. Like Digimon toys. Oh well, that's just that's just blasphemous. You can't do that. Digimon and Pokemon. What's next? Crash Bandicoot and Mario. No, wait. What's next? Sonic and Mario. Thank you, thank you. Get it? Cause, cause he is. He. They, the '90s want they, their joke back. They. The what? The '90s want their joke back. Oh, they can have it. It didn't go over very well. The room didn't like it. The room of you. <laughs> You're the one person in the room. The audience wasn't a fan. Uh. But yeah, in addition to all that, on our Academy, you can also share within the game with other artists and, of course, on Miiverse, like the Wii U version. So it's a pretty well-rounded package. Uh, but I can't help but wonder if Nintendo's rolling this out, not so much because people like to draw Pokemon, but just to give Art Academy a bigger name. Art Academy's been kind of a sleeper franchise of theirs, and they still apparently at some point have a full Wii U version coming. So I wonder if they're pumping this out to get the name recognition, so then when they release the Wii U one, it actually makes a dent in sales. Hmm. Uh, like, they're getting really close to like they haven't dropped the ball quite yet but I could, they can actually do better for Art Academy wait what are you saying they, they're about to drop the ball by doing Pokemon or they almost dropped the ball on the Wii U one because it hasn't come out yet well on the Wii U one but also because didn't you say that like they're not really setting the war they're not getting marketed like the way they should be sorry what I just didn't catch what you said Oh, didn't you say that they're not selling so well or that they're just kind of sleeper hits or that they're like... Oh, Art Academy? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Well, I don't even know if they're selling at all. I, I don't... Well, yeah. Point being, Pokemon will give it... I think we're in agreement here. Pokemon will give it name recognition. Uh, yeah, Pokemon will. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then they can release the Wii U one after that because yeah. Pokemon will boost it. No, Are we saying the same thing? This one will have Pokemon... Well, they don't have to tell them that yeah. part. They say, hey, look, it's our Academy on you Wii U. And everyone on. buys Ooh, it. Use and like, where's my Voltorb? Yeah, use the skills you learned in one. There you go. There, there you go. go. I thought we were in agreement this whole time, but I was just really awkwardly not agreeing on the same thing. I just wanted to use Drop the Ball to talk about Oh! There's just a pun in there somewhere. What was the pun? What ball are we dropping? So, Shaq Fu may have met its goal. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just transitioning I know we, we, but that wasn't your transition just like yeah so Shaq Puma it's gold that's yeah, it we, we, we've been on Art Academy too long wait, wait there you can art takes time to make a good masterpiece you really need to dedicate the time and energy to doing it but then sometimes you dedicate too much time which is what's happening now and then you overthink it so Shaq Fu you can overproduce a song and a piece of art and you know what might not be a piece of art Shaq Fu no it uh, okay so the thing with Shaq Fu is Honestly, I feel like we're only talking about because it it's so weird and random and crazy. So, Shaq Fu is like this awful game in the 90s that everyone makes fun of. And then some developers decided to have the brilliant idea of bringing it back as Shaq Fu, A Legend Reborn. Because clearly we haven't had enough. Apparently not. And they put on Indiegogo earlier this year. And it actually just met its funding goal, which means it's now coming to Wii U. As well as a handful of other systems. Uh... But here's what's weird about it. First of all, like I said, Shaq Fu's a crappy game. Why? Why is it back? So that, that's point number one. Second of all, the developers are actually... Uh, Couldn't Shaq have funded it himself? Yeah, but why would he do that when he can make other people pay for his game with his name on it? I don't know. I, yeah, it's, 
I don't know either. But uh, the second thing I was going to say is what's weird about it is the development team's actually legitimate. Like, they're actually a decent development team. They're called Big D's Productions, and the main people have worked on Halo, Street Fighter, Final Fantasy, Alan Wake, Battlefield, Killzone, and a bunch of other AAA games for major publishers. Now, I don't know if these were, like, the QA guys, and they're just like, yeah, I worked on Halo. I played a level once and reported a bug. Or if these are, like, legitimate developers. Not to discredit them too much, but... Either way, like, there's big names involved with this in terms of their experience. Mm. So there's that. That's what's weird, number two. Number one is it exists. Number two is that real people are making it. And number three is the absurdity of the perks that came with the Indiegogo campaign. Did you look at any of these? Nope. Ever? It's like, okay, I'll just read off a few. For $500, Shaq will follow you on Instagram. For $600, Shaq will follow you on Twitter. For $300... Shaq will give you a personal piano lesson. <laughs> and I'm not making this up, but on Skype. Because apparently Shaq knows piano. <laughs> like, I do not understand this. And then here's a good one. For $35,000, Shaq will DJ your house party. Because he's a DJ, a piano player. No, in person. <laughs> but how? how is Shaq so multi-talented? Or is he not talented in any of well, it? I don't know. I mean, when you're retired... But he does, of course, he's one of the anchors on uh, NBA. Yeah, I'm sure that keeps him busy 24 hours a day. No, but he's that good that he's going to give Skype lessons of piano playing and he's going to DJ your house party for only, for only $35,000. Only, only that much. Only that little, I should say. I guess if you think of it as a donation and you're getting that for free. And, and yeah, a donation to his game with his name on it. I just found these perks insane. $600 to follow on Twitter? He's not going to read your tweets. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. I don't know why I found the piano one so funny, but it's just like it's absurd. Anyway, with that said, I have no idea how the game's actually gonna be. It might be good for all we know, but the the, the insanity is what made me want to talk about it. Um, I will say though that the team does at least seem ambitious, if nothing else. They the game's gonna be a modern day beat 'em up. They're they're calling it like Devil May Cry meets uh, Streets of Rage. It's gotta be like a three, you know three D environments from Rage. Yeah, that's awesome. That way. Yeah, and Shaq is super roided up in this. He looks super buff. And he, uh, he, you know, he learns custom movesets. He goes through fully destructible environments. He can be part of a co-op game. He can be part of an online battle. And his power-ups that you collect throughout the game are all his different nicknames from his time in the NBA. Apparently he has enough nicknames to have power-ups. Who knew? This game is not a big ego trip whatsoever. (laughs) But I don't know. It could be a good game. I just find it's just a very strange situation. You know what probably could have been a good game? What? Cult Country. Yeah, well, here's what's crazy about that one. It didn't make its Kickstarter, which sucks because it had more supporters than Shaq yeah. We thought it was. I remember when they just announced it. We were like, oh, it's Renegade Kid. Like, how could yeah. they not make a and, their goal? Yeah, we made a point at the time that, like, we don't talk about Kickstarter campaigns till they're done normally. But Renegade Kid, we are going to bring up early because, you know, one, it's a shoe-in, you would think. And two, it's... Long-time Nintendo developer, and alas, didn't happen. Here's the sad thing about that, though. Did you know Shaq Fu received four hundred seventy-three thousand dollars from thirteen hundred people, but Colt County received only forty-five thousand dollars from a hundred more people than that, fourteen hundred people. I guess the crazy Shaq perks worked. Who would yeah. have thought? Like, yeah. So that sucks. I think Cole County would have been really cool. They're still going through with it. It's just going to take them way, oh, yeah, way, yeah, yeah. way, way longer. I mean, I appreciate the developer is always trying to, like, he usually picks, like, genres that haven't really, like, I don't know, like, there isn't, like, a survival yeah. horror 
like that on, on the 3D or 3DS. I mean, unless you count um, Resident Evil, but well, I mean, by definition, you would. Yeah. But it's different because it's... Yeah, but it's a different kind. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, that one you... I mean, you have guns at the wazoo and... Yeah, survival horror is a very big genre. Yeah. This is more methodical. Um, Cole County is, I mean. But in in other kind of bummer indie news, actually, because Cole County wasn't the only downer, uh, Armillo was... Ready for this one? Shock... Or shocking... Or blah, blah. Armillo was... Rolled its way to a later date? Thank you. Yes. It got delayed again. Shockingly, this is, a, like, what, third time now? Uh, so Fuzzy Wuzzy Games, it's apparently done. The submission process to the eShops was holding it up. They're not giving a new date till they know. But what they are doing to soften the blow a bit and to yank people for their patience is they're dropping the price. It was going to be 8 bucks originally. Now, for the first few weeks it's out, it'll only be 6 bucks. Then it'll go back up to 8 bucks. And here's the thing. Based on what I played last year at IndieCade, I would pay more than... I feel like it's, like, a 10 or $15 game. The fact that they're charging 8 base price and then lowering it to 6 that's a steal. Yeah. Unless it's only like one level long. <laughs> but no, it's, it, based on what like what they were telling me when I was talking to them last year, that seems like quite the steal. It's a pretty, it sounds like it's a pretty decent sized game. So, I mean, it sucks that it got delayed, but at least we're getting the discount, I guess. I think the real wor- the real problem, though, for Fuzzy Wuzzy games and, and uh, Yacht Club games... Was that all the money night, that they could have been making already? All the money they could have been making is now gone. And more to the point, they're going to get a big ignored if they come out in the next couple weeks. You got Mario Kart 8. And you've got A3. How many Wii U owners are going to go, Oh, Mario Kart, I could be playing that. I'm going to go play Shovel I'm going to make sure to go down Shovel Knight. Or go find this game well, called Shovel Knight. I mean, I guess that they're going to be on the eShop a lot because of E3, since that's usually where they keep all their trailers. And I guess they're going to maybe yeah. put like a big banner for it because it just came out. But Nintendo's going to be emphasizing E3 yeah, news. I know, yeah. 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 So that's kind of a bad situation. I mean, if they're lucky, they'll be right under E3. If Nintendo's smart, they'll do that. Promote. Maybe they'll even do an E3 indie sale or something to get people who are on the eShop to go check it out. But right now, on the surface at least, it seems like they're going to be missing some potential sales because there won't be a game or new game news drought at that point like there was the last two months, three months. So, so that's kind of a downer. Um, the one final bit, I guess, of game-specific new information is Super Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS. Uh, it's been We're far enough removed, I think, at this point from the Smash Direct that Monster Hero Sakurai feels comfortable not just regurgitating Smash Direct news, but actually sharing new information in his daily Miiverse posts again. So, for example, we now know that Charizard's Final Smash is actually, as we all probably predicted, his Mega Evolution. Well, they did show it, and he did say so in the Direct. Did they? Yeah. I don't remember that. In the in the Greninja trailer, they showed Charizard X flying around. Oh, well, now it's confirmed that he legitimately... And, 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 fine. And, and, he was in a pre-rendered trailer. Now he's confirmed <laughs> as playable. I'm making this a talking point. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, he's he's in. Nope. That's my whole point. No, uh, <laughs> the other thing is... But where's Y? Isn't there a different one for Y? Yeah, but, um, I, I feel like... Is X the more popular? Mm, I, I guess technically it's the better one right now. Oh. But, um, I feel like they kind of went with this one too. Well, I don't know. They could have gone with it for many... It's probably the most popular one, but... Just game-wise, he's also, like, the more physically powerful one. Like, mm-hmm. his, like, actual punching is also, like, sure. stronger. So. Sure. That makes sense. Oh, okay. Well, well, Sakurai did... <laughs> what was that little end bit? <laughs> is it, is it, is it, I don't know. I'm just thinking it's random rationalization. No, that makes sense. But uh, Sakurai did say in the same post that uh, a couple of Charizard's moves, Rock smashes back as his down, uh, down no, B, but his well, side... It, no, it used to be his side B, because down oh, yeah, B now it's his down B. Pokeball chain. Right, now it's his down B, and in the place of side B is Flare Blitz, which is an actual move in Pokemon. Yeah, the strongest fire-type physical move. But, if I'm not mistaken, you can get damage from it. 
Yeah, if you hit someone with it, you take like 10% damage. Here's the thing. That's in the game too. In Smash Bros, you'll get damage if you make contact, just like in Pokemon. Yeah, it's funny how like sometimes they'll choose to like actually like like oh look how accurate we're being with the game, and then they take some other moves and like go the complete opposite direction. Well, yeah, they're only gonna say look how accurate we are when they're being accurate. <laughs> yeah, like like it's still like I don't know. I guess kind of baffles me that like you have a move called Quick Attack with Pikachu, <laughs> and like sure like yeah, it makes them go fast, and it actually hits your opponent, but in yep. the game. It, in the game, opponent. it just ups your speed. Yeah. yeah, but then Lucario gets the move Extreme Speed, which is the strongest move that you can use with like that priority. It's like super fast, but in the game, it just flies through people. I mean, why don't they just do it like Fox's attack where he just hits people? Have so, you considered tweeting Sakurai? He's on Twitter. I don't know. Just I'm... tweet him. Just tweet him and yell at him. Just be like, you got it backwards. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why? It's like... What's wrong with you and everything you do? Oh, I mean, obviously he could just do whatever he wants, but I mean... Like, when you're pointing out how accurate you're going to be to one thing... You kind of have to fulfill yeah. it on the other end, too. Yeah, and, and I mean, and I could understand, like, the other liberties, like, with, like, Jigglypuff. Like, sure. her down be, like, sure, she goes to sleep. She gets no health back, like you do in the game, and it somehow just, like, makes people fly off like crazy. So. Well, whenever someone goes to sleep, <laughs> explosions of other people around them always occur. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, it's just weird. There's, like, no concern. And then he just makes up his own moves, too. Like, Pikachu has Thunder Jolt, which doesn't exist. Right. They have, like, thousands of Pokemon attacks to use, and... And yet they it, go Thunder Jolt. I mean, they cause a Thunder Shock, I'm sure. Like, I mean, obviously, it doesn't make a difference, but... Yeah. I mean, if he's being... Nifty, they pick and choose. They cherry pick what they yeah. want to use. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, in some cases, they don't. For example, the Bullet Bill item they're doing is literally how Bullet Bill works in Mario Kart. Uh, so Bullet Bill previously was an assist trophy, an enemy, etc., etc., but now he's an item you can pick up, and when it happens, you transform into Bullet Bill and just kind of fly around the stage. I think you control the flight, but it's like Bullet Bill Mario Kart where you turn to Bullet Bill and just rocket forward. Same idea, you just probably steer the rocket a little. So that's kind sure? of keeping true to it. I don't know. No, you're probably right. For some reason, like, in my mind, when I saw that picture, I... There's two pictures. Did yeah, there's two the pictures. Yeah, for some reason, I remember the second picture still showing the person that threw it, but I could be wrong. Oh, I think he says the caption of you turn into it. Oh, okay. Guys, remember, I remember the caption saying that it flies in that direction and just, like, goes big and hits people, but... I'm pretty sure you turn into it. Oh, well, you're probably right. I like how we're both reaching for our phones, but we're not yeah, making a point of it, it make, on the podcast. We're going to be subtle it's about it. It's just a bullet though item. We were going to be turned off anyway. We were being Why so subtle about looking this up right now. Like, no one knows that's what I'm doing. I'm telling you not to... I'm doing it anyway. Oh, don't you hate when Meverse? Speaking of, while we're on the topic, don't you hate when Meverse? You load the feed and it's like random old posts from only like two people. Why do you go to Meverse? Just go to that fan made Smash Brothers. What fan made Smash Brothers? Smash Brothers Meverse thing that's just way more. What are you talking about? Better in every way. This is captivating podcasting. Just want you to know. So someone made a, a pretty much a Sakurai post web website. And they have it organized by character. They have the images all the way on the top, and they actually have them sort them out, like sorted like all seven pictures of the week are there, like front and center. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, it's just a way more. Well, already got it. Here's version. what it says: Answer. You turn. You turn into Boat Bill and go full speed ahead. Okay. Mystery solved. Yeah. See, listeners, we give you the most accurate, best possible news that we can. And I'm sure we have, like, 20 errors in this episode, but you don't need to tell us. It's fine. Let us think we're, we're perfect. Uh, so the other... There's one other, int- like, little tidbit thing on the same, like, probably same scale as Bullet Bill, and that's that the Wonderful 101 are in... At least some of them are in Smash Bros. Not as assist trophies, not as characters, as just collectible trophies. 
Why couldn't he make at least one of them an assist trophy? Or, like, make it a, like, Wonder Eyes, blah, blah, blah. Well, he didn't trophy. exactly, like, deconfirm. I mean... No, he said they're there as trophies. Didn't he, say I, he didn't outright say they are nothing else. But if he says, here's Wonder Red, some others are also trophies. That kind of implies trophies, not anything else. Wouldn't it? Well, no. I mean, every everything in the game that appears has a trophy of it. Even assist. But he's calling out the trophy. Kind of like uh, the girl from Pikmin 3, who I'm forgetting the name of, the girl astronaut. She also has a trophy now. Confirmed. But the biggest news... Well, it is soccer, too. True. The biggest news, by far, of these last few Miiverse posts of his, is that Animal Crossing Villager now has multiple genders. Um, There's four different costumes. Two are female. Two are male. One of the males is, of course, crazy, wide-eyed, psycho-looking villager. Which, for some reason, some people like. Um, but yeah, the uh, you could just rotate between them, kind of like me, uh, we Fit Trainer. And I would say this is just... So, so do each of them get their own color swaps, like Wario, or is that it? Well, we don't know, obviously, but... Huh? Oh, you mean, like, does each of the four genders have their own color swaps, too? Yeah. I would assume they only have the four genders. Hmm. Probably know. like how... Uh... Yeah, because you said it's a costume change, not a uh, character change. Yeah, well, like but the fact that they include four is pretty significant, or two yeah, cause, girls cause, is significant. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying it's not out of the question. Like, just no, because Wario had costume changes and each costume had colors. True. I guess we'll find out. That's probably that but, feels like something he would have said. Well, See, Sakurai always gets such well, random. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but he also like doesn't reveal like what would you what you would assume would be the obvious thing to announce. True. Because I mean, like, he trolls us so. Well. Yeah, because I mean, like, you could use male and female Wii Fit trainer. Does that mean that only the female Wii Fit trainer is gonna have like color swaps? Obviously, they're gonna have color swaps for both. Yeah, but those are separate. Well, like, they have to. What if like more than one person picks? Like, what if all four people pick like the same female? You're squad? right. You're right. I mean, are, are they just gonna have different tints of them? Because I know that's what they did for double battles. Maybe like two on two. I don't know. Did see? I feel like they're. Sakurai's and with, crazy. And with, and, and with Animal Crossing, like there's so many clothing varieties, it's it, a simple texture shop. That's actually a good question. Well, we'll find out in summer 2013. Yeah. Or, or, but they may go the the Mario Kart 8 Rainbow Road route and just um, babies everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what I was gonna say though is, I feel like this is actually kind of significant that Nintendo has is now like putting both genders because I don't know. In the last few years, they've really ramped up the number of playable female characters in their games. There was a criticism a while ago that Nintendo's too male-oriented. Like, all the protagonists are male characters. So then they started doing stuff like, well, first they stumbled and they had Super Princess Peach. Which is like, hey everyone, Peach is super emotional. You gotta control them to win the game. Make her mm-hmm. angry. Like, it's, yeah, that was probably not the best. A little sexist. But then they start getting it right. And now, like, you know, they if you look at the Mario Kart roster, it's not quite 50-50, but it's much closer to 50-50 than it was. Yeah, I mean, if you don't really count... Like, you shouldn't really count, like, all the Koopalings, at least the male ones, as, like, male, because, I mean, they're not even human. No, that would still count, because girls like to be the girl version of whatever. Well, I guess they have Wendy. One out of seven. Yeah, one they, out of, one so out they have Wendy, but they also have Rosalina now, or apparently, as the British call her, Rosalina. Hmm. Uh, they have, they have, you know, they still have Daisy and Peach. They have gold, pink, pink, gold, gold, pink, peach. They have all the babies now come in female varieties. Well, there you go. There's now babies for all the main females, opposed to. Is that it? It's still like a. And they have Wendy, they have Birdo. Birdo. Bur- oh, no, Birdo's not in it. Yeah. I'm just naming out Mario characters now. Actually, I don't even think they're in But the point females. being, they're, they're, they have more female than they used to. With Dixie and uh, Marco Wii? I think. Maybe. 
But this has been going on since last generation. It's just something nice to see. But so five or six out of thirty is not bad. Is it only five or six? Wait, Daisy, Peach, Gold Pink, Daisy, or Gold Pink Peach, Rosalina, Baby Rosalina, Baby Daisy, Baby Peach, Wendy, eight mm-hmm. or nine, eight, uh, out, of eight out of thirty. Or, well, twenty-nine because thirty is a me, which can be female. Oh yeah, nine out of twenty-nine. So a third. <laughs> I mean, it's better than what they used to have. Peach. <laughs> Peach oh, and Toadette. Daisy. Oh, Toadette, ten. Okay, so they have like a third. That's better than the like quarter or a fifth. And how many have. of those characters are genderless? Like, I mean, you can Yoshi could be either. Shy guy could really be either. Cause, yeah. Like, oh, well, shy guy. Oh, yeah, shy guy. Koopa yeah. Troopa. Yeah. Well, Troopa sounds more masculine. Uh, I don't think I'm, no, it's uh, Koopa Troopa. Bowser is definitely a guy. <laughs> Waluigiet. <laughs> uh, Wariet. I don't know. But either way, Nintendo has definitely been making moves towards having more include. I mean, Mario 3D World was the first 3D Mario game with a female playable character. Hmm. Like, that's not, it's not just by coincidence this is all happening within a couple of years of each other. It's, it's a concentrated effort. But one thing, though, that there's some Greninja kind of... Greninja could be male or female. All those Pokemon. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Oh, there's more female characters in Smash Bros. than ever yeah, before. Yeah, there's way more. Yeah, more. there's a good example. We should, I should have said Mario Kart. I should have said Smash Bros. It's almost 50-50. Yeah, Smash Bros. is probably the best example. It might even be more female. I don't know. Uh, it could be at this point. No, it's not. But Smash Bros. is the shining example of that. But with all the female stuff Nintendo's doing, which is good, because they're... I mean, they've said before, half their audience is girls. Hmm, actually, it might be more female. I mean, we count Zelda, Sheik, well, they are Samus. Now. Yeah. Yeah, it might be. And, and and the other characters that aren't, like, for every male, they're, like, just Peach for two Mario. Uh, eh, no, it's... It's, like, it's, it's pretty close, Yeah, it's though. pretty close. But, I mean, it's smart that Nintendo... And this was the criticism that was raised during Nintendo's, like, casual heyday with the Wii and DS, is, like... So many players are girls, like 40... I think for Nintendo, it's like 52% at one point. It's definitely more. Yeah, and it's kind of like... You kind of need characters to represent that large audience. And they're running into a similar issue now, and this is the... The only reason we bring this up... We're not going to get into the... I guess we get a little into the politics of it. But basically, Nintendo ran into the same issue with uh, Tomodachi Life recently. Not with gender, but with sexual orientation. So, essentially what happened... Is Nintendo got to a bit of a hot water, a bit of hot water, and the due people. to the lack of same-sex relationship support in Tomodachi life. So uh, this has actually been an issue brewing for a while now. Uh, I don't know if you're that familiar with the backstory, but been going on with Tomodachi life prior to the controversy. But originally in Japan, players it wasn't supported, and players found a way that if they make their female me's look male, they can have a you know. Same sex, two guys have a family in the game, and that's fine, or vice versa with, you know, two girls. And Nintendo just kind of was like, whatever, it's your me's. And then they put out a patch to fix a corrupt save file, and somehow in a mistranslation or something, it came out that the patch fixed the same sex relationships, as in removed them, which it didn't, as far as I know, as far as what I've read. So where things are getting tricky now is there's that uh, uh, miscommunication about that. And on top of that, players are realizing, wait a minute, sure, they might not have actually fixed same-sex relationships, but there aren't any at all. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the game is that um, it's based on, you know, it's supposed to be about your life. The idea is that, like... Your friends, your life, your drama, Tomodachi life. Exactly. So if your me is you, and it's representing you, it's representing whatever the player, you know, whoever the player is, and then you're in the game, and your friends are in the game, and the celebrities are in the game, and you want your me to go 
have a relationship with whoever but can't because they're the same gender, you're stuck. And it's not representing you anymore. In fact, it's kind of doing the opposite. <laughs> so that's what started this whole thing. Like, so that's been a concern for many gamers. A large chunk of town fans, I'm sure, were affected by this. And then one fan came up with this thing called Me Quality and put together some really actually nicely done, pretty slick video of basically pitching Nintendo saying, hey guys, there's a bunch of, you know, um, people that want same-sex relationships and we can't do it. What are we supposed to do? Can you either, like, do a patch after release or maybe, like, for the sequel? Either one. Just, you know, hear us. That kind of sat for a little while. And then it got a little bigger because Nintendo made a stupid comment. So what happened was uh, Nintendo gave a really tone-deaf response to the whole situation, essentially saying that there's no same-sex relationships because they don't want to make any social commentary. But here's the thing. By saying no, you're automatically making social commentary on the issue. If you say we're not going to have same-sex relationships, that is a comment on same-sex relationships. And therein lies the problem. Uh, so they, I mean, they corrected it eventually. But before they got there, there's a whole brouhaha. It, like, it made Time Magazine report on it, AP report on it, GLAD, you know, the uh, organization GLAD that looks out for this sort of thing. They gave a comment saying it's not right. Late night TV shows made jokes about it. Conan made a joke about this in his monologue. Like, this was major... It got a lot of attention. And um, even The Sims, by the way, has had same-sex relationships for, like, a decade. So this isn't, like... But uh, even the DF one, the Nintendo one? I, I think it was, like, The Sims 3 or 2 had it. So not the spinoffs. Maybe the spinoffs. I don't know. I don't think you could get married originally, but they at least let you have a same-sex relationship. Like, you know, live together or whatever in the game. Uh, so... Now, so they said that stupid thing, which came back to bite them, but they also in that same statement gave a bit more of a realistic reason of why they can't do it. And that's simply because, um... Is it just a part of the game? Yeah, pretty much. They, they're not going to change the core game's code entirely. In Japan, it didn't have it. In Japan, from my understanding, uh, same-sex marriage is illegal. Which sucks, but it is what it is. At least for the time being. It's all, you know, the... What's happening here in America is going to happen worldwide over time, so it will be corrected, but for now. So as a result, uh, Nintendo saying we're not going to put it in game is kind of as straightforward of a choice as you can get, because it's just like, well, that's not what the society approves of, so we're not, not going to do it. Uh, but in America, it, you know, it's a hot issue, it's a growing thing, more and more states are getting uh, you know, gay marriage every day, it now is an issue, it's a very big issue. And Nintendo did make another other a number of other changes to Tomodachi life. They swapped out a whole sumo wrestling game for soccer to appeal to the West. So you could argue, sure, Nintendo, your Japanese game, your original code didn't have it, but hey, you're changing everything else for America. You should probably put it in there. But then things get tricky for Nintendo. And this is where I kind of see where Nintendo's coming from. Because if they include same-sex relationships, they need a way to have the players give their sexual preference, right? And if they do that, how do they do that? Is the option there when you first create your me, when you're picking its voice and its personality? Is it like, you know, like gay or straight and you check a box? Like, and, and then what about other preferences? Bi or any number of other ones? Where you, how's that factor in? And then once you do that, how you know what the other me's preferences are? For example, just because you choose to have a gay character, does that mean you want the me of your friend to suddenly have a relationship with you in the game? If, well, if they're straight, maybe you don't want them misrepresented. Like, it gets really tricky. They have to, like, redo the entire underlying code of the game. And then on top of that, let's say they do put sexual preference as a choice, right? What happens... It, it is a political issue, for better or worse. So there's a bunch of parents that get super pissed off if their five-year-old is picking... 
if they're gay or straight, not knowing what that means. Or, or the kid's like, what's gay? And the parent's like, oh, I'm, you know, if it's some, like, very religious person who doesn't believe in that. It's like, I, you know, they're going to be mad at Nintendo. So how does Nintendo... Do they put an age gate on? Is it a parental control? Is it like if you don't have parental controls on, you get to pick your preference? If you do, tough? Like, how does it all work? So there's a lot of questions that Nintendo can't answer, really. And I think that's why they kind of buried their head in the sand and just went, we're retaining this isn't an issue, this isn't happening, this isn't happening, and then put that kind of tone-deaf statement out. Because hmm. they literally have to rewrite the whole game and, ta- and figure out who, which audience they want to appeal to. The ones that are for it or the ones that are for against it. Or did I say for against it? The ones that are for it or the ones that are against it? Granted, the against it crowd is shrinking rapidly, as it should. But still, it's it's a messy situation for Nintendo. So I'm not saying they did the right thing. I'm just saying I could see from their perspective why they wouldn't have included it. So Nintendo did fix the immediate blunder. They put out a new statement, kind of correcting and apologizing what they originally said. They basically said, um, you know, this... We're sorry we disappointed some players. We apologize for the next entry in the series. Should there be one, we're going to be all-inclusive. So, after two days of crazy bad news for Nintendo, and this, by the way, was like a day after the financials. So I'm sure there are more than one article. It's like, Nintendo, who, by the way, is like losing money like crazy, doesn't support gay marriage. So, so uh, yeah, that's a double whammy. What? No, that's the last thing they needed. Exactly. So they, they tackle... <laughs> Gesundheit. <laughs> Alright. Uh, so they tackled it... He doesn't tie again. So they, they tackled it pretty well, eventually. It like just took a them a while. Took? It just took? Yes, it just took them a while. And we actually, if you're curious about what their final statement was, where they cleared everything up, we have a link on the blog post for this episode. It's the last link in the news section, so just look at that if you're curious what that would say. Uh, but I think, I think if nothing else, it's a good learning lesson for Nintendo. Actually, first of all, it's good for me quality. A fan campaign started, it blew up, and then they got exactly what they wanted. Maybe they want a post-game patch, which won't happen, post-release patch, which won't happen, but they did say a sequel that's all-inclusive will do, and they understood in the video, um, I'm blanking on the guy's name who did the video, Tyrone? Tyler? Did he have a response video after? Not yet. It's only been a few days, though. But, uh, he, uh, yeah, he did say, I understand, you know, the game's basically done already, you're doing marketing for it, so if it's a sequel, so be it. So it's cool that they got what they wanted out of this, but I think for Nintendo it's more of a good lesson than anything else in like how to how to handle something because Nintendo's never had to deal with like hot topics like this hmm. ever because it's like oh no like the Mushroom Kingdom it's social like you know like there's no no one's ever like criticizing well, yeah that. because this game literally involves your life like yeah your characters it's not yeah and as such Nintendo didn't know what to do yeah. they panicked and they put out a bad statement. So I'm hoping that going forward, you know, they'll not stumble like they did and be a little more concrete in how they handle things. But it's just an interesting topic because, you know, it's something I never thought we'd talk about on the podcast. But just the fact that, like, you know, stuff... The fact that an issue like this is becoming so big that it's affecting every medium, including video games. Actually, says that says a lot about how big the issues become. Like, it's it's good that, you know... Let me put it this way. It's good that video games are at a point where major issues like this, the dialogue becomes about the video game. Like, the, that the video games are part of the dialogue. Like, it's not just like, oh, those stupid video games. It's like, oh, no, video games are an integral, integral part, of, part of our society, integral part of our culture. They need to do right, just like everything else does. So I guess I should have said the opposite. It's interesting not so much that this issue becomes so big, but that video games have become so big that major issues trickle down to the games and it becomes part of the conversation. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. So... 
With that said, let's totally change topics. I just wanted to touch on that for a minute because I found the, the whole thing. Nintendo, 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 you guys. <sighs> anyway, uh, so that, that's news. Of course, we have been playing Mario Golf World Tour, as we said at the top of the episode. So, Jose, you are definitely further than me in it. Um, so, I mean, I played my fair share of tournaments. I've done my fair share of Castle Club, but you were you are ahead. So, I guess if you want to take the lead on Mario Golf, I have some thoughts I can chime in as you go, but well, it's all you. Mario Golf, Mario Golf. If you've played Mario Tennis Open, um, I don't know, the menu feels very similar. Well, it's the same developer. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So, like, you'll, you'll be pretty familiar with how it works. You have your, your I guess, straight up multiplayer mode. You can play against um, people, random people online. You can play with your friends. But I guess this time around, they have, um, I guess, a campaign that you can call it. Like, we'll call yeah, it, we'll call it a, kind of call it that. We call it, we'll, I'll call it a campaign mode because you start from a nobody that... You start from the bottom, then you're there. Yeah, from, like, a guy, Wario, and Bowser tell you, like, oh, I have no respect for you, I hate you. And then you win the three championships, and now they're like, whoa, you're actually pretty good. Now, just to be clear, you have to go seek these guys out. They don't just pop up and tell you that. You go to their little... You go to the VIP room, which is... Of the, ca- of the country yeah, club. So of pretty the much the, com- club. the country club is Peach's Castle. castle it works as your hub. That's where you access the tournaments, like downstairs. That's where you access the courses. There's three of them, each with, eight, each with 18 holes. There's a desert, a forest, and a beach. Like a waterfront beach Yeah, and just like a beach. And pretty much, like, in order to like compete in these championships that progress the story, you have to do one practice round, which is just to get your handicap. Then you do a handicap tournament, and then once you beat the handicap tournament, you could enter the championships What's one after the other, after beating the prior one. The thing I found smart about that is it's basically forcing you to learn the game. Yeah. Because, like, they don't need to give you instruction manual. There are tutorials in the game, and there are, like, in the Castle Club, there's, uh, like, little mini-games. Not mini-games, but, like, challenges you can do to enhance certain skills. But to have you, like, immediately, like, we're going to set your handicap, you're going to go play golf, but it's not going to count for anything... You're just going to force it on you so you learn the game is smart. Yeah, and I mean... It's a good way to do it. There is depth to the game, but, like, on the surface, there's really not much to it. So, like, it is really easy to pick up. I mean, it's just your regular... Like, if you're playing manual, it's your three-button swing. You press A to start your meter. You press A again to stop the meter. Like, first is for distance. The further out you go, the farther your ball will go. And then you press A again to stop it, and that's whether... How close to the left or right, I think, they're... How close to the center or how dead on your club will hit the ball? That's the third A. Yeah, that's the third A. If you press B or B twice, you, I guess you do a, a bottom spin. So like, oh, I think you skipped a button here. No. Okay, so for auto, there's... I'm only talking about manual right now. I mean manual. Manual has three. That's right. Three. No, you're missing one. So you I hit A for, to start a, the meter. Yeah, you hit A said. a second time that's at what the I said. end of the meter yeah. to get your distance. Yeah. You said that? Yeah. Am I crazy? Yes. Okay. Crazy. Sorry, sorry. <sighs> All right. I could have sworn you only said two yeah, A's. I, yeah, I said the second one's for your distance. The further out you go, the farther your ball You did, goes. you're right. I'm sorry. Anyways. <laughs> so then once you get to the third A, you have the option of just pressing A once, right as close to the line as possible where you started. Or you could press A twice to give your ball a top spin so that it could roll a little forward after it lands. Or you could, do, or you could press B twice to have it roll backwards or kind of like break itself and that's pretty much just how you progress with the whole thing and then once you land on the green which is where the hole is you go into putting mode where it's just two a presses one to start the meter and one to stop it and there's a lot of um i guess guides yeah there's a lot of guides like to kind of help you go where you want to help you get the ball where you want it to go you have arrows pointing to the trajectory of where it's supposed to land you have your i guess your terrain 
the yeah, terrain. terrain grid. Yeah, it told you like, okay, it's slanted here, it's uphill. But the ball, it told you where it's supposed to land if there's none of that. So you have to take into account the terrain and the wind, which does affect your ball a lot. Yeah, the direction and the speed. Yeah, the so wind. pretty much did a lot of trial and error, just figuring out, okay. Well, it's not exactly. They tell you, if you go through all the tutorial stuff in uh, either the options menu or if you go to the one of the side screens of uh, the Castle Club where Toad's like teaching you things, it will tell you every 11 miles is one yard or something like that. I don't remember the exact ratio, but if the wind's pushing 11 miles to the left, you want to go... Or no, 11 yards is 11 miles or something. So if you... I don't remember the ratio. There's some ratio that if you if the wind's blowing 11 a certain direction, you go X amount of yards the other direction, and it'll bounce out. There is yeah. a golden ratio. You can figure it out on your own, but there's also... They tell you at some point. Yeah. So... It's not that hard, but I guess, yeah. and I guess also like on top of that, like if you want to add like an extra spin to your ball or like kind of influence the direction as you're swinging, you could just hold left around the D-pad, and that affects what side of the ball you hit, mm-hmm. and it'll curve maybe more that way, so you could kind of like dodge a tree or something. You like. can also use a touchscreen for many of these features, which is kind of nice. You could do everything with just this touchscreen if you don't want to. Except wanna... swing. No, yeah, you just tap the ball three times. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you don't have to. Use the but yeah, you, where you tap on the ball, for example, would do what the D pad did. All mm-hmm. the double, all the top spin, back spin stuff. That's done with giant touchscreen buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's all very touchscreen friendly. I think the mechanics are solid. I, I mean, it's like every other Mario Golf. Yeah. But so, it's, so it's golf good. is golf. Like it, that's just pretty much it. Like I mean, I guess where the Nintendo spin goes in is like I mean, I guess the fact that you're picking Nintendo characters, or if you do, I guess item matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to pick between item like only like name if you like. You have the bombs, which um. There's a bomb that doesn't look quite like a bomb. It looks like it's making a duck face. Oh, it's a bomb take. It's a bomb taking a selfie. Yeah, duck face. Yeah, so that one. Um, I guess at some point. Thank you. So, <laughs> you hit the ball, and then at some point it just explodes and it'll just drop straight down. Or you have the bullet bill, which just takes your ball really far in a straight line. So until or you. Or there's a fireball which goes burn through trees. Yeah. So. Stuff like that. Yeah. So there's like where you get your Mario twist, and I oh, know it's fun. But, it's funny because like yeah. the game masquerades is just like oh it's a crazy arcade golf game but it's actually like a serious golf game like it it runs fast if you know what you're doing you can go through an 18 hole course in 23 yeah. minutes but it it's it's really deep no yeah and, th- and that's what i like about it so much that it actually stays true like pretty much by the books like how golf works yep and that's what i really liked about um, mario super slugger like how by the books it stayed to baseball and if you chose to, like, you could turn all the items off. You could turn it just into a regular golf game or a regular baseball game. And it's still just really, really fun. Mm-hmm. The only reason, like, I guess I... Well, I guess it's going back to multiplayer. For multiplayer, you could play... Um, everyone shoots at the same time or everyone takes turns. But most of the time, you're probably going to want to shoot at the same time. Yeah, speeds it up a lot. Yeah, you don't want to wait. But I guess also because of that, like, I guess that's probably why, like... Oh, I mean, that's just an, an inherent thing about golf in general that... You're never really playing against each other. You're just playing single player simultaneously. Well, you're playing against each other. Could, could I feel like that's could, kind could, of an open to interpretation a little, like how you feel when you play. Because I mean, if we were playing, well, no, yeah. I would be trying to. We'd be trying to best each other's scores. Well, yeah, but like I mean, if I get stuck in a sand trap, I'm gonna go. Crap! You're gonna get in at least one swing before, like one swing under me, or so, or one. No, I mean I'm not. I'm not saying like it's not there completely. I'm just saying that it's not. Well, I guess like to me, it's never gonna be as influential than the other. Oh, there's no direct. You're right. There's yeah, no yeah, direct. Yeah. Like we don't have contact. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Mario Kart where I could hit you and you would feel it. It's not like my ball will hit your ball. That will never happen. Yeah, because because yeah. there's no like. I mean, I don't want to say. 
competition because there obviously is. Yeah. But I mean, in the sense that like I could be playing one single player by myself and then just memorize the tracks, like pretty much like figure out down to the T how well, how I'm gonna uh, yeah. how I'm gonna get through each course and how to hit it. And then when I play against Jason, I don't even have to like really acknowledge that he's there. I could just go through well, my. No. I could just go through the motions wind, and just. Wind. Well, yeah, but that's after playing, like, after such a long time, I'm going to know exactly where to put the ball depending on the wind. Mm -hmm. There's only so many wind combinations that I'm going to go, like, okay, I just put it right here. Oh, 12 miles per hour wind in this direction. All right, put it over here. Sure. And I'm going to get, and we'll get good enough that I could always, like, I'm able to land the, I guess, a perfect swing, I'd say about, like, 80, like, 80 to 85% of the time. So, like, it's only going to be a matter of time before, like, I'm just going to know exactly where to put it. And then, like I said, I could just kind of disregard Jason when I'm playing him. Well, you could and, disregard me anyway, because I'm go, really bad. <laughs> and just go through the motion, and then just like, oh, okay, so now I'm just... Yeah. Playing. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But th- but yeah. when you're but the fun thing, I guess, though, is like, I mean, when you are playing with, like, since I'm... Maybe just to get, kind of start playing it. Um, well, I, hey, I, I, I played my fair share. Oh, well, yeah. You just played more. No, we've only had it, like, for a few weeks. Right. And, like, I've been playing with my brother and, like, another friend that... Um, I think my my brother and my other friend are definitely like a little better than me, and um, I don't know. It's fun just playing with the little. Um, when you're, I guess, after you hit it, you're able to hit these icons that either like wave hot, like I guess they wave or they do a little clapping, like little hand, little animated hands appear, and I guess they're just like your emoticons, but they're just little noises and they make hands. Oh, like a toadstool tour, how the faces would appear, speech bubbles. Yeah, not faces and speech bubbles. No, I think that was better. Better. Yeah. But, I mean, it's better than nothing. I will say... Like, if you miss, you can make a little, like, screw, like squiggle appear and, like, a little angry sound effect will appear. Or mm-hmm. if you're happy, you can make, like, a little musical note appear and, like, a little happy chime. But, I mean, it's fun just, like, um, when you hit it past someone, you could hit the little waving goodbye sign just to, like, <laughs> oh, bye, see you, leaving you in my dust. But, yeah, or sometimes I like, just, like, when I start missing too much and I get frustrated, like, I'll, like, miss the hole and then I'll just, like, give myself a clap, just, like, an ironic clap. Like, yep. Yeah. Like, this is... I'm doing great. <laughs> I will say, though, that online, in general, I... I would argue it's actually one of the best implementations of online Nintendo's done to date. I mean... Like, I, sure, you're, when you're playing... When you're actually playing someone in real time, maybe there's a bit of a disconnect. But in terms of how they do it, everything really... Like, you boot up the game, and right on the home screen is all the tor- are all the tournaments right there. And they rotate in in real time as, you know... One day you turn it on, it's got that day's tournament, not the one from two days ago. Like, when the game boots, it pulls them. So that's kind of cool. It feels very connected right from the start. But then when you go into a tournament, you don't even have to play against the people when they're playing. Like, it, you just play a tournament at your leisure, and then, like, I, I jumped into um, one of the North America tournaments, or worldwide tournaments, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, first of all, it shows ghost data for a whole bunch of people. So you'll see balls flying, semi-transparent, and you'll see, like, little me's above them in gray. Then all of a sudden, there's little orange circles, and those orange circles are your friends who've actually played that tournament already. So as you're playing, like I was playing at like 1 a.m. on like a Tuesday night, and then suddenly I see like Jose's me and someone else's me, and I'm just like, wait a minute, what? And it felt like I was actually competing with them then and there, even though they played, I don't know what, the day before, two days before, who knows? But it really made it feel like a real actual tournament of golf, that we were playing at our own pace, our own leisure, but thanks to the ghost data and the asynchronous setup they have, it was as if we were playing. Yeah, I mean it's it, cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool, cool, like seeing like other people's progress and yeah, I don't know, I don't know. little like little nice thing that they didn't have to implement. They could have just put a scoreboard at the end. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Live stream, or just that like it's so everything's so interconnected with the online component right off the bat. Like yeah. every menu, every section of the game has online somehow, 
If you're in the Castle Club, there's a basement that has you get into worldwide and national tournaments. If you're in the Quick Play, there's the online for multiplayer there. If you go to like any, if you go to the other menu, it, that's where the eShop stuff is. Like everything is connected. It's it's kind of like Nintendo took the Mario Kart channel and stuffed it inside the main game, but integrated it across the board. Yep. It just felt very connected. Like I don't know, Nintendo's done similar things in other games, but this one just felt like the most like, oh, Nintendo gets online now. I mean, <laughs> they get it. It just was very. It almost felt like an iPhone game. Like when you open an iPhone game, you don't expect to have to like open something to connect online or like do a thing to go online. It's just like you open the game and there's the latest news right on the home screen of that game. Yep. It, it, it was cool. I like that. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing like to really mention would just be um, the I guess the whimsical Mario courses. Mm. Like, because I don't want to like say too much about them because like there's something to be said about like, discovering them yourself and like whimsy out. can't be put into words. Yeah, because I don't know. Sometimes it's fun just. Figuring out the obstacles yourself instead of like me telling you like oh watch out for this thing. Well yeah yeah. So I mean like I'll just like describe like one like I feel like pretty much they each have everyone's probably if you follow like the game I guess you'll know about the water war like the underwater one where the water physics like affects your ball or the gravity and then there's like pipes that are shooting water up so they give you another boost or like the Yoshi level that just has like these like everything in that world like already like follow that has the, the pastel colors yeah yeah like the Yoshi stories. The scribble, the, Island, the yeah, scribble so. coloring, the coloring outside. The yeah, lines. and the and the terrain looks like it was like sewed together, like like a quilt or something. So actually, Yarn Yoshi, more Yoshi story. Yeah, but it was Yoshi story. So I'm saying Yarn Yoshi. Yeah, and but and it also had like these little like, I guess giant pillow or sofa cushions that you just like mm-hmm. you could just bounce on. So I mean, every single track has like its own little like I guess quirk, and the music, and then I don't know, it just music's pretty good. From I mean, it's it gets repetitive the more you play, but. I was humming along pretty quickly without a meaning to. Yeah, and those courses usually have nine holes, and the regular courses, like the ones that don't really have anything too special about them, besides just being a generic environment, like those have 18 holes, so. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a lot of golf to play. There's a lot of know. golf, and if you do the DLC, it's only five bucks more than what you pay for a standard 3DS game, as we were saying last episode, because uh, the game's 30 bucks MSRP, 15 bucks for DLC, and there's more holes there, more golf there, more characters there. You cannot use any of that online from what I can tell, unless you're playing friends who also have it. Yeah. But the, all the tournaments Nintendo's doing... Actually, no, Nintendo does have special DLC tournaments. I take that back. No. But you can't use the special characters in non-tournaments. Yeah. In the other tournaments. I guess you're, oh, and that's right. And I guess um, just like in Mario Tennis, you customize your Mii with like, different outfits, different gloves, hats, and that affects right. your stats. And pretty much, like first, you're probably going to want to be picking like the Nintendo characters. And then, after you've collected like a lot of coins to spend at the shop to buy all this gear... Your Mii's probably going to be better than any of the Nintendo characters, mm-hmm. depending on how you customize it. And, like, pretty much, like, I've, I've played some people online that are just, like, really amazing at the game. They'll either get, like, <laughs> eagles or, like, they'll, well, pretty much they'll always get, like, eagles or birdies, like, every single I've never world. done better than a birdie. I've gotten lucky with a few. I want to get a hole-in-one. Haven't. I want to get a hole-in-one so I can put on Miiverse. Look, I got a hole-in-one. <laughs> Haven't. Oh. It's sad. Oh, and I guess, like, the only, I guess if you do pick, like, a Nintendo character a few times or you beat, like, a tournament with them, you get their star mode. I'm not exactly sure on that because I haven't done that yet, mm-hmm. but I've, I've only turned a bit focused on my Wii. But, yeah. So, I, I had a few things to add if there was anything else you wanted to say? Or there I? was something, but I can't think of it. Well, I'll start my stuff. I was going to say that, well, first of all, I think the game looks great. Graphic-wise? It does. It, it looks really good. Probably one of the... I wouldn't say the best-looking 3DS games, but definitely in the top tier. Like, the detail, the... 
Everything just looks really good. And they did a good job with the interface, too. We touched on it earlier with the touchscreen buttons and everything. But just, like, everything's super easy to read and understand. Like, the wind chart, the ball, terrain. Like, it, it all is, like, you know, you don't need to know golf to get it, which is what's great about more sports games in general is it just, like, they do have that kind of arcade facade. So you yeah, start like, playing, you're like, oh, this is a piece of cake. And then you're like, whoa, there's so much depth. Yeah, like you That's really don't have to be yeah. a golf fanatic to like it. I mean, like I don't really care much if at all for baseball or golf, and I, I do love the and these are like my two favorite like sports games. Like I'd say, Mario Super Sluggers is one of my favorite Wii games. Yeah, it's like definitely up there. I will say Castle Club. Uh, it is better. Okay, first, it is better for sure than Mario Golf Open's menu system. Like anything that's more interactive is better than a series of menus. Like mm-hmm. the shop in Mario. Well, not necessarily. I got the job. But then. the the like shop in Mario Tennis was literally just like uh, like seven menu, seven menu, seven layer deep menu. But uh, this is a this I, I like this a lot better. However, it kind of feels like a tease more than anything else of what a real RPG mode could have been. I know they didn't say they were going to give us one. I wasn't expecting one. But just like I did enjoy walking around and talking. To all the different Mushroom Kingdom inhabitants. I loved how, like, they went really into, like, the archives and got, like, every random character. They have the Hammer Bros, the hamstery dude. You know we have to go that deep to get the Hammer Bros. Uh, well, like, every game ever. That's true. But the little hamster guy, I forgot what they're called. Monty Mo- Mole. Monty Mole hasn't been in much lately, but he's in there. Came out in the new Super Mario Bros. game. Did he? Yeah. Oh. Well, they didn't go that deep. More of the point, they have nice variety. Because usually Mushroom Kingdom inhabitants are go- uh, Goombas and Koopa Troopas. So it's nice that they had some of the others. Yeah. Um... But the thing I was going to say is I kind of, like, just talking to them and just walking around, I kind of wanted it to be an RPG. Oh, you, you mean you're not going to give me a side quest? Oh, okay. Yeah, you're not going to have me, like, go live in a dorm as a new golfer or whatever it was in the advanced You're not going to make me look for your missing gloves? But I do, I do like, like, random things, like, you know, walking into the locker room and there's Birdo for no reason. <laughs> like, stuff like that's great. But I will say, as much as I like the Castle Club and how it structures your progress of unlocking things with coins, which is how you do it, the game is structured weird. Like, the whole package. The fact that it's like, okay, you go to Castle Club to unlock gear and to unlock what you think is everything in the game. Oh, wait, just kidding. If you want Mario Mushroom Kingdom-themed courses, you gotta go over to Quick Play, which in name suggests it's for Quick Plays, but in reality is how you unlock the courses. You would think the unlock system would be in the same place. Because Castle Club is kind of built as like the single player mode. Yeah, Quick Play just seems like... Well, Quick Play seems like Well, the, I think it's just called Mario Golf mode and the other one's like club mode oh yeah maybe but either way the one where you unlock outfits and unlock you know and fix your handicap improve your handicap you'd think the thing where you progress is where you also would progress through yeah mario you know mario mushroom kingdom courses so that struck me as weird and then also like tournaments are split kind of randomly too i mean they make a bit more sense the national and worldwide tournaments are for your me's only so those are in the castle club the ones where you can play as other characters those are under the mario golf menu but still, like, it, I'm not even kidding. It took me a while to figure out how to enter a tournament. Because while it's great, they're on the home screen. Can't enter them from the whole home screen. And I was, like, reading. There's, like, a ticker that tells you where I go. But I was, like, wait, where in the castle club? Because it's, like, go to the room. And I'm, like, what room? And then I found the staircase and went down. So that's just me being dumb. But point being, like, I feel like they split things kind of arbitrarily, which is strange. It's my prime biggest nitpick. It's funny, like, um, just by... When I submit, I saw the third, I'm like, oh, that's probably where the tournaments are, just because Pokemon trained me. Yeah. Once well, I that, found well, that it. Well, Pearl, like, they had all the online stuff, like, downstairs, so. Once I found it, I'm like, oh, it's the Pokemon Center, and it made sense. Yeah. But it just, I didn't think of that initially, and then, uh, I didn't even see the staircase, to be honest. Uh, but, again, that's, that's me being stupid, but just the weird splitting of how you go about unlocking things is kind of weird, <laughs> yeah. for lack of a better word. Oh, I don't know what I was going to say. It actually wasn't that important, but I guess on a side note, if you do plan on 
getting all the DLC like at once in season pass. Like me. I definitely recommend it because everything costs money. And usually, coins. Well, yeah. Well, well, uh, money for DLC. That's real money. Right, um, everything costs coins, like all your outfits and clubs and all that stuff. And you get about like maybe three hundred, four hundred, maybe some sometimes seven hundred mm-hmm. coins per game. If like there are coins enabled, like so sometimes there are coins scattered across the field. And if your ball hits them, you get them. Yeah. But sometimes they're just not there. So you get like three hundred coins. But I played a few rounds at um, Gold Mario, and I don't know. I averaged like maybe three thousand coins, like per like round of golf. Yeah. Whenever he hits it, the coins, right? Yeah. So like I would get like a thousand or like seven hundred, like per like hole, just because like. So many coins come out, and his balls bounce so high that it keeps getting coins and coins and coins. So mm-hmm. even though, like, it's really hard to win with them because his balls bounce so much, but you do get a lot of money, so it's, like, a quick way to make money. Yeah, and just to be clear, the only way you get Gold Mario is by doing the season pass of DLC. Yeah, so that's why we were saying you should yeah, Otherwise, you have to wait until And plus, at that point, it's only $5 more than what you would normally paid for a 3DS game, so why wouldn't you? Like, you get so much more content. Yeah. But, yeah, no, overall, I'm really happy with the game. I think it... I think it's quite possibly the best Mario Golf they've done so far, which is a loft, you know, a high bar to set. So, I mean, dancing character screen excluded. Yes, yes. There's no dancing characters on the character select screen, which is a bummer. Yeah, the whimsy. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But no, it's, it's just like if they, structurally, if they change the menu system a little bit, I would have, well, that's such a nitpick. Never mind, never mind. It's a good game. <laughs> it's a fun game. It does online really well. It looks good, plays good, has a good amount of depth. I'd give it a recommendation. Or I'd recommend it, I should say. Yeah. Same here. And hey, you know, if you're if you're tired of having Mario driving a cart in a few weeks, have him go have him go hit the links, have him go on the green, have him go do some other golf terminology that I don't know. Yep. Probably yeah. take an extra pair of overalls in case he gets a hole in one. And with that, that does it for this episode of Random Tab Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. <laughs> I tried to act like you didn't say that, but now I'm laughing. Uh, yes, yeah, so, as always, um, we encourage you to keep an eye on the website, randomtab.com, for stuff beyond just this episode. For example, Jose's Extra, How Hacking Keeps Pokemon Competitive, is up on the site now, so go check that out to learn all about the hacking scene for Pokemon and building custom teams. And keep an eye on the site in about a week or so, where from when this episode goes live, where we'll be taking a look back at the last time Nintendo did a big tournament in preparation for the Smash Bros. Invitational that'll be happening here in LA during E3, which we are going to try and go to somehow. So, and of course, cover for you. So, the best way to stay on top of things for Ram Nintendo is follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo, subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. You can also see what's going on in our gaming lives or just our lives in general. On Twitter, I'm Jason R and Jose Zuero, W E I R O underscore O. That's also his Meverse handle. My Twitter or my Meverse handle is Jason R. Feel free to friend or follow either of us, both of us, none of us. It's your call. Um, and uh, our next episode is going to be on June first. We'll have pretty. I'd say that's the start of like the real E three hype. Like that's going to be leading into it, like the uh, week before maybe. So expect some cool news there. We'll have impressions, of course, of what we're playing. And um, I guess the only other thing is we'd love to hear what you think of everything we talked about in this episode. Be it. The, conversation, the actual topics, us as human beings, uh, or the podcast as a whole. So go, so please share your thoughts, episode 70 at roundtown.com, or if you prefer, leave an iTunes review. Up to you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. In the meantime, I don't know, some sort of pun, golf pun would fit in really nicely right about now. <laughs> <laughs>